highest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. And you did, Hulk Hogan. Well, you know me, Gene. When I told you it was time for me and all my Hulkamaniacs to unite, brother, that's exactly what we did. And everybody knows what I stand for, the training, the prayers, and the vitamins. But the thing that got me through the Royal Rumble, little dude, is what I was standing behind, man. And I was standing behind all the men and women in the Persian Gulf that are putting their lives on the line in fighting for our freedom, brother. The Army, the Navy, the Marines, the Air Force, they're the real champions, brother. And as far as I'm concerned, they're the winners of the Royal Rumble and everything else that's going down because they brought me through it. They brought all my Hulkamaniacs to the top. Each and every time I was getting kicked and cheap-shotted, I just thought about the brothers fighting for our freedom in the Persian Gulf. That that's what brought me through the Royal Rumble, Mean Gene. You know, Hulk Hogan, earlier on, I spoke with the new World Wrestling Federation champion, Sergeant Slaughter. He contends he's not only the new champion, but he's our new leader. Yeah, I bet you did talk to him, little man. And I'd like to have a talk with him myself about this close and straighten him out. And as far as him being the leader of me and all my little teeny Hulkamaniacs, there's no way we would ever follow him as our leader. He's leading a reign of terror across the WWF. And as far as we're concerned, Sergeant Slaughter, your reign as the WWF champion is just going to be like Sudan Hussein's reign over Kuwait. It's going to be only temporary, brother. So what you going to do when the largest arms in the world, Hulkamania, and the red, white, and the blue run wild over you? <sighs> The 24-inch podcast, episode number five already. Today we are going to talk about the 1991 Royal Rumble. I am fired up. My name is Steve Bennett, and with me today, like always, in Soccer Town, nope, Sopranos Town, USA, our good friend, Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? How are you doing today, buddy? What's up, my brother? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Very good. And also on third, Mike. She is as pretty as pie, as sweet as could be, the light of my eye, the sweetest, prettiest, most lovely podcaster in the world, ladies and gentlemen, Paula Bennett. Hey, Paula. Hi. All right. How you doing, baby? Talk right into that mic. Let the people hear you. Hi. Now, Paula has had a crazy week because last week, if you remember, Monday was the day of Martin Luther King. So she had off of school. Now she goes to school, Dave, get this. She's in pre-K. Because of the uh, corona stuff, she only gets to go on Monday, Tuesday, and then she's virtual the rest of the week. 
Okay. And since she's pre-K, she's only half a day. So she goes to school from Monday and Tuesday from 9.05 to 11.30. At least it's something. Right. You know so what I now, mean for the times? Well. They didn't do it on Monday. They went on Tuesday. And then we got a call on Wednesday that someone had tested positive in her class and she would need to be on a 10-day quarantine. Uh-oh. And I don't even get to go to my grandma's house or go shopping. Or dance class. Yeah. Or roly polies. Uh. Yeah, and even nothing I planned up for. Yeah, so what have you been doing to keep busy during quarantine? Because maybe some of our listeners are going to have to do a quarantine. What should they do to keep busy? There you go. Just have fun and just do some fun stuff. Like what? Like playing outside, playing the snow and snowing and all that stuff. Oh, okay. Well, anything yeah. they can do in the house? Well, they can play with their toys. Okay. Or they can play with their mom and dad. Or okay. they can have like a fun, or they can just watch TV and stuff. Yeah. Do you have any oh. any recommendations for like a show or a movie that maybe they haven't seen yet they could watch? <gasps> I know the perfect one. What? Remember when the eight? Remember that email you got? Yeah. What email? The one you just got. Okay. Yeah, I remember it. Well, actually, that guy actually knows you like wrestling, so I think they should both. Though, if they have twins or anything, they can like watch, like wrestling and stuff. Okay, watch some wrestling. Yeah. Okay. And that's good because in a minute we're going to talk about the WWE Network. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, Dave, I wanted to talk a little bit about the football this weekend. So since we were yeah, since we were here last, did had the Saints lost? The Saints had not lost since we talked, right? No, not that was last weekend. We our yeah. off week. So the yeah, Saints. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, you know the uh, the Saints lost, and I, I do have a quote uh, that I wanted to read uh, that I'm using to get to get over it. So it's from. Uh, Sir Andrew Barton, and he says, fight on, my men. I am hurt, but I am not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. Amen. So that's... And everything surrounding Steve Bennett here, now the Bills lost. Yeah, They're thank, out of the mix now. Thank God. So the, the whole Steve Bennett connection with this whole, I felt like, you know, I'm doing this podcast with this guy that's taking over the NFL, his team, the Saints, his hometown, the Bills. What happened? Well, you see, do? here's the thing. Like, I'm not a Bills fan, obviously. I know. I've been a Saints fan since 1987. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, the Saints were in the Super Bowl. And they won it. And there's a, a moment in the game where they had they intercepted Peyton Manning. And they ran it back for a touchdown. And they took gave him a two-touchdown lead with three minutes left. It's kind of like the defining moment of the game. They had won the Super Bowl, essentially, on that play. And I kind of looked around the room, and all I seen were Bills fans in Saints shirts jumping and cheering with me. Oh, that's very nice. You know what I mean? It was my friends and my family, you know, there with me. Supportive. Supporting me. So ever since that moment, I never try to forget that. And I try to kind of be supportive of, of them and the Bills. And it was difficult this year because, one, I was really nervous about a Saints and Bills Super Bowl. That doesn't seem fun to me. Seems really isolating and lonely for me. Uh, so when the Saints lost, I kind of got that off my plate. And then, you know, I didn't know that I was ready for Super Bowl mania around here. So I wanted them to win, but 
Yeah, I was going to say deep down, deep yeah, down. Deep down, you got, down you if I'm being honest, I didn't want to win. A heelish grin across your face last night around uh, I did. 10 o'clock If or I'm so. being honest, I did, yeah. Yeah, I actually uh, made my way out to the to a bar for the uh, first game with the Bucks and the Packers. And, uh, you know, not too much happened. They sit, they sit you at a table now with everybody, like, at a table, like six people next to each other. All kind of tables, but you can't go like lean on the bar and hang out. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get into all this stuff again. About did you that. notice? But who, we had a decent time. Did you notice who Tampa Bay's number one fan seems to be? It is the star of the show. Yeah. The Hulkster. Hulkster's all about yes, it. Sir. Yeah. All yeah. About he's it. got that new Hogan's Hangout bar over there in Tampa Bay. Yeah. It's in so Clearwater. Probably catching right? up Clearwater all the games Beach. over there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could. Yes, sir. Maybe we could do a show from there someday. What do you think? <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> so it's going to be the Buccaneers, which I was not happy about, but I, you know, I'll try to cheer for them for the Hulk. The there Buc- you go. The Buccaneers and the uh, and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I would assume the, the Chiefs. Chiefs, the Chiefs would win, but you can never count out Tom Brady, right? Not Tom Brady. A lot of people are coming around with uh, Tom Brady. You know, Giants fans from here in Jersey that we obviously hated him with all you know our two big Super Bowl wins over the Patriots. But they're co- go coming around saying, you know, he is the G-O-A-T, the GOAT. What's hard, your take on that, uh, Mr. Sportscasters? Hard to dispute. Yeah. I mean, Yeah, when, even from a so-so sports fan like myself, you know, I have eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, very, it's, it, it's very, very difficult to get to the Super Bowl, and he's been there ten times. Yeah, there, and you know what's funny? There's guys, I, I think uh, maybe Peter Winston was talking about this, somebody, a podcast I was, I was listening to. Um that are on the team with him that were in kindergarten when he won his first Super Bowl, Tom sure. Brady. Isn't that insane? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes was in kindergarten when he played in his insane. first Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, speak- yeah, brother. speaking of insane, I woke up to some insane news, kind of out of the clear blue sky, at least it felt that way. Uh, I'm going to read some, some words from an article on Variety. Uh NBCU's Peacock pins WWE Network exclusive U.S. streaming rights. Wow. Uh, So let's translate that because it came out of nowhere and it's a big, big deal uh, for wrestling and wrestling fans. Uh, NBC Universal's Peacock will soon be the only place to watch the WWE Network in the U.S. WWE and NBCU reached a multi-year agreement giving Peacock exclusive streaming rights the WWE Network for American viewers. Now, I heard that the deal is five years for $1 billion. Wow. That's speculation, I suppose, but yeah. that's what some people are reporting. They're uh, getting these big deals with yeah. the Fox deal, all in the down period for pro wrestling. That goes to show you, man. The over-the-top wrestling entertainment service existing U.S. subscribers, it's about $1 million. Uh, will be migrated over to Peacock Premium. Will they continue to get access to WWE Network, but will pay 50% less per month while getting full access to the version of Peacock Premium tier with ads. Uh, Peacock will launch the, the network on March 18, 2021, uh, when they will begin the rollout of more than 17,000 hours of WWE Network new original and library programming, both on demand and a new 24-hour channel. Now, if you don't have Peacock, there's basically three tiers. There's a free tier, which has next to nothing on it. 
a $5 tier, which is everything on there, but with some ads. And depending on what you're watching, there's more or less ads. It's really random. And then you can pay $10 a month for the full tier with no ads. Now, if you get moved over from the WWE Network, your price will be $4.99 instead of $9.99, and you will be on the the uh, the the mid tier, the one with the the um, the the commercials. The Sounds NBC, like a win win. Yeah, the NBCU streamer will have all WWE live events for no additional charge, including WrestleMania and SummerSlam with Fastlane, the first event to stream on Peacock on Sunday, March twenty first. If you prefer uh, to order the events via traditional pay per view, I don't know why you would, but yeah, you would crazy. still have that option. Now, Steve, real quick, 17,000 yeah. 17, hours. So that's WrestleMania 35, 36, 37, and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. uh, WWE Network will be available on premium. We said that. Uh, it's about half the price. Uh, the companies plan to share details of how existing WWE Network subscribers in the U.S. will be switched to Peacock in the next few weeks. Nothing will change if you have the network outside the U.S. So our listeners in Canada or England or wherever else, it is what it is still. Uh, so we're just going to – I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. So we just – this is just a question that's talking right now. We could just log in with our – obviously, we're subscribers to the network. We could just log in to Peacock with our regular login, and we're down to four ninety nine a month. Yeah, and I mean that's I already we have got... – I already have Peacock, so I was thinking I'll probably just cancel my network. Oh, okay. You know yeah, what I mean? Like so. why even get into any – hassle so i'm just gonna cancel it i think yeah because there, there, i'm sure there will be a little hassle and glitches yeah. and and a little that's why i'm doing it a couple of weeks before wrestlemania exactly. that'll probably yep. even though it's fast lane the promotion is wrestlemania they want to get sure. all this shit sorted out before then yeah uh, financial terms were not disclosed but sources are saying like i said a five-year deal worth more than a billion and steve peacock what what is on i know it's the nbc hence yep. peacock uh what's on there i saw a couple of well, a little the, more modern TV show. The Office. Oh, there you go. Which was, I, I read today, the most streamed show on Netflix last year. So That's the, an interesting point. Yeah, The Office is there. Friends is there. You know, you just, just think NBC things. Cheers is on there. Cheers. You know, there's Seinfeld. A, there's original programming. Seinfeld will be there as soon as their deal with Hulu expires. Maybe that's next year. Um. And there movies? There's movies, yep. Older shows, newer shows, original shows. And uh, watch. Wrestling fans, oh, I, not watch, because it's already happening. They're already complaining. And by the way. They'll we, complain no matter what. One thing that is on there and has been on there since it launched is wrestling content. So they had a bunch of WWF uh, classic matches. They've had different things on there. They had like a I Randy Savage show. With a bunch of his classic matches, Steamboat Savage from Three was on there. I kind of flipped don't, through that stuff. Don't it tell was, me there's old old stuff on there that's not on the network. No, it's, <laughs> and it's now. Do you think? Do you think this though? This stuff. this is something that we can complain about. The wrestling fans would be right about if this all happens. You know, we're getting it for cheaper, and we're getting the TV shows that come with it, and all this stuff. But they're already slow adding the old content. Yep. Is it going to become even slower now? Probably. Probably. Yeah. 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 So in the long run, who knows? And by the way, I want to read this sentence again. Sure. Okay. So I'm going back in the article to read this again. Peacock will begin the rollout 
of more than 17,000 hours. Peacock is notorious for not putting everything they have out there at launch. When this thing launched, there was this long list of shit that was supposedly going to be on there, and not all of it was because they slow roll everything. Okay. So I don't know if we're going to get 5,000 hours the first day, you know, or what as it rolls out. We'll have to see. So remember, we liked WWE 24-7 better, which was like that. Some at a time, then it would go away. Then other stuff would replace it. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think that's not going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. Yeah, Yeah. the classic content was so much better on that. Sure, it was. Uh, This is a quote from Nick Khan: "We feel great about the financials. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done the deal." He's the president and chief revenue officer, and he joined the company in August from CAA to have WrestleMania in particular, which is our Super Bowl, available for no extra cost on Peacock, is quite different from other models you're seeing. Uh, for Peacock, the WWE Network is a transformative addition, said Rick Cordella, their executive VP and chief revenue officer. We have a lot of data that shows live events and sports drives a lot of user acquisition. The bet is that there exists a much larger total audience available for WWE programming than is on the WWE Network today. Now, a couple notes about Peacock. So since the beginning, there's been a lot of soccer on there. And they've been starting to move uh, their soccer properties, which is in the U.S. I know they have the um, Premier League. They've moved a lot of that stuff to there. They also recently announced this week that they're shutting down the NBC Sports Network. So all of their other sports contracts are going to exist on Peacock as well. So the NHL will be on Peacock. Uh, Their golf rights will be on Peacock. You know, they're all those niche sports that used to be on, you know, the NBC Sports Network, like fishing. All those things are going to Peacock now. Some Bass things, Masters. Yeah, ba- exactly. Some stuff <laughs> will still be on USA. They'll use USA for some hockey games and uh, maybe some college basketball. But they're what they're doing is they're trying to create a very competitive, over-the-top service in a crowded, over-the-top service market, right? That sounds right to me, man. There's all these different options. Netflix, Hulu, you know, CBS recently announced that their uh, CBS one is changing names and, you know, is supersizing. And then there's... That's going to be it. There's going to eventually, you know, even in our lifetime, there's going to be no more regular TV. It's all going to be streaming. We're, right. we're seeing the... So the... everyone's getting their shit. What can we offer? You know, what content can we can we load it with? And, th- and that's what this is all about. Uh, and they're willing to pay big money for it. And if you're the WWE, you just put a billion dollars in the bank. And you don't have to deal with all this, the headaches, I'm sure, that the network comes with, too, in terms of dealing with the technology and all that stuff. Let them deal with that. Yeah. All right, and the modern, the modern fans, they're, um, the modern fans have nothing to cry about because it'll all be there. The older fans like us were probably going to be the ones that get screwed. Yeah. What's wrong with the content? Well, but that is I'm yet sure. to be seen. Now, yeah, yet to be seen. And what was on there before was older content. And there is part of me that thinks that NBC thinks that's almost more valuable. I hope so. You know that the because the ratings for the current content overall has not been great. You know, garbage. Uh, so I think that there's a chance that they might treat them. Uh, more equally, and again, it's going to be not Vince McMahon necessarily uh, pulling the 
the strings. You know, it's going to be an NBC decision, as far as I can tell, about what goes on. Have up those there. Saturday night's main event. It'll be front and center, maybe. Yeah. Right there. All right. A few more paragraphs when we'll move on. WWE and NBCU have been partners for more than 30 years. Uh, Monday Night Raw was the first regular cable program from wrestling entertainment company. It debuted in 93. Uh, what else? In the third quarter of 2020, WWE Network had averaged 1.6 million, down about 60,000 from the previous quarter, but an increase of 6% year over year, making the service's first annual growth since quarter one of 2019. The entertainment company launched WWE Network in 2014. Uh, starting in 2022, WWE will produce one signature documentary annually for the WWE Network on Peacock. So that's interesting. Yeah, seems like not enough, right? Only one annually? Seems like we get more documentaries Well, now. but I think the keyword there is signature. It's a really good, like the Andre one on right, HBO. Right, right. Like something, like I just watched the Pat Patterson one on WWE Network last night. It was quick, wasn't very long, but it was very good. I recommend it. Also available are hundreds of hours of original series like Broken Skull Sessions, Last Ride, uh, Peacock, which launched NBCU in July of 2020. It's had 22 million signups in its first six months. Uh, so they say they're in about 24 million households. So the WWE Network just went from, you know, 1.6 million to 24 million. Yeah. Not that all 24 yeah. million will watch, but it's definitely exposing it uh, to a bigger audience. So that's, with the money, that's with the that. money involved, it's a, that's a done deal. You know what yeah. I mean? No questions asked. Interesting day for, for WWE and interesting day for the business. And I'm sure it's something we'll be talking about in the weeks and months to come. All right. And out of the blue yeah. as well. Very out of the blue. I had no idea it was coming. On today's show, we mentioned it earlier, the 1991 Royal Rumble. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what is the Royal Rumble. We're going to talk about why the first Royal Rumble aired on USA for free. Uh, we'll talk about who is credited with inventing the Royal Rumble. We kind of just mentioned them. There you go. And also, Dave is going to look back at Hulk on tour in January of 91. Uh, we'll take another break. We're going to read the news, a historic month of news in January Mary. of 91. And then we are going to go over the Royal Rumble. Uh, in detail, Paula and I took great notes, and uh, hopefully she'll be here to help us. We got the undercard. We're going to rank for the first time. We'll give ratings to undercard matches. Great undercard, too. Yep, we'll go through the Rumble. There's going to be some stats. We'll talk about the historical impact of the Rumble 91, and then we'll close out. We'll do some plugs. We got some emails, and then we'll tell you what we're going to do on Episode 6. Sound good? You know it, dude. All right, let's do it. We will take a break, and we will be right back. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster. Or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. 
Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. are back the 24 inch podcast episode number five we're covering the 1991 royal rumble dave roland steve bennett and paula bennett in and out here as well all right let's get started dave let's talk about the royal rumble right what is it uh it's a pay-per-view consisting of the royal rumble match and then of course there's title matches and other matches and it first debuted on january 24th 1988 we're going to talk about the significance of that in a second uh, it was broadcast live on the USA Network, and then the following year, it started to become a pay-per-view and became one of the big four, right? Traditionally, uh, the big four pay-per-views, Dave, are? The Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and the Survivor Series. Now, how would you personally rank them? Okay, um, yo, Kevin, I mean, you know what I mean? I was going to get into this. The Rumble is everybody, it's like their sweet spot. Everybody loves the Rumble. I'm going to have to rank WrestleMania above it just because, you know, the matches and stuff we got out of it in hindsight. So the Rumble will be two, though, even even over SummerSlam. But as a kid, I love the Survivor Series, too. It's rough, but we got you asked me to rank them. I'll rank them. WrestleMania, Rumble, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. Right, How about I, you? I would do Mania 1 because it's Mania. I would do SummerSlam 2. It's always, mm. always right about my birthday. Okay. So I would get it you know, as a kid and have birthday parties around it and stuff. So, and then I would do the rumble. Now, if it was just the match, it might, you know, if you're talking about matches, I might, you know, I'd rank the the, the match really high, but that rumble, my dad loved it too, because yeah, it's when we, fun when we were kids, yeah, but when we were kids, we would all pay attention really, you know, having a pay-per-view with, you know, six or seven friends over, we'd all pay real close attention to the rumble. Whereas there's a regular card, you know, the undercar, we march our horsing around, fighting, yelling, screaming. He's got to, you know, be a little more, you know, watching us. But during the Rumble, everybody's eyes were focused on that. So when the Rumble was coming around, he always said, oh, good. You know, you could have this many friends over. <laughs> it's the yeah. Rumble. Everybody's going to behave themselves. Yeah. I uh, Another thing was the Rumble used to always kind of fall in the sweet spot between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Yep, that one Sunday. But but our actual our show tonight, for some reason, they did not have that. We I'll tell you right the from the from the playoffs to the Super Bowl. Yeah, what the, was the reason? Well, the, well, the reason that they didn't have it that week was just you know nothing sexy, just scheduling. But I thought you meant why, you know why wasn't this down in between? I was going to say because there wasn't a week an extra week. Yeah, that's yeah. what we had a Saturday night, yeah. and then it happened again in '94. Um, so that was always great for me. But uh, nothing sexy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you're going there. That's a cool term. The uh, men's Royal Rumble, of course, has been around since the beginning. Since 2018, there's a women's Rumble match as well. So now there's the two. Uh, and also, they've been putting this out on baseball stadiums the last few years. We'll see if that continues uh, yeah. down the road. Uh, the Rumble, the match itself, is based on a classic Battle Royal match in which the number of wrestlers, and, and generally over the years, has been 30. Aim at eliminating their competitors by tossing them over the top rope and then both feet touching the floor. Uh, each wrestler comes into the ring every two minutes, although that's changed over the years as well. And also it's a working two minutes. You know, it might be uh, if 30 guys come in, it's probably 30 different gaps between them. Yes. Yeah. The newer ones are even starting in the mid 90s. It got too quick, though, for my liking, because, you know, we're, we came at the beginning. So yeah. those. 
for me, the rumbles from 88, well, if you want to count 88, 88, 89 through like 94, then it started getting a little weird. I still love the rumble, no matter what's going on in the WWE. I'm always excited, even this year, always excited when the rumble comes around, don't miss it. But those first, you know, seven, eight years were the best, in my opinion. Now, the winner of this match usually is given a title shot at WrestleMania. Now, this highlights something I hate about current wrestling, and that's this ridiculousness of having two titles. So you mm. don't really even know who they're fighting when they win it, right? Because that needs to be determined. That's another well, it's another pay-per-view in between. It's another issue, two. but, you know. Uh, but I wanted to mention that the winner is given a title shot usually at WrestleMania, and this is also usually... Starting, yeah. Yeah, this is also usually considered the... Um, the start of the road to WrestleMania. So, yeah, that started in 93. Yep. The WrestleMania title shot. The idea for the Rumble match was constructed by Pat Patterson, and I guess his initial idea is he wanted to figure out how to do a battle royal backwards. You know, where instead of all the guys starting in the ring and then going out, a few guys would start in the ring, and it would load as the match goes on. Uh, that was kind of the idea he had, and it kind of built from there. Uh, they experimented with one on October 4th, 1987 in St. Louis, Missouri, and the one-man gang won the match. He eliminated Junkyard Dog for the win. Uh, it wasn't televised, and it was a financial failure. It only drew, ready for this, 1,976. Yikes. Now, I bet you in St. Louis there's 10,000 people walking around saying they were at the first Rumble. Yeah, um, what? But yeah, I actually, um, uh, quote unquote, saw one of these experimental rumbles in the Meadowlands. However, it came after the January one. I guess they had him booked out. But right after it was in February or March in the Meadowlands and uh, Jake won it. And it was so cool that I actually for the first time ever, I had aisle seats. So I had aisle seats for it wasn't it was a 20 man for 20 guys running down the whole time of, you know, slapping everybody slapping me five hours in second grade. So uh, that's something I'll never forget. The great Uncle Tito accompanied me there. We had aisle seats. Awesome. That's really cool that you yeah. got, to, got to go to, to one of them. So now let's talk about 88 for a second. Uh, January 24th, 1988. That's the first one. It's on USA Network, right? Hacksaw Jim Duggan wins it. Uh, but Big why, rating, too. But why is it that day? Why did all of a sudden they want this? Well... Because yeah, go ahead, the Dave. Bunkhouse Stampede, NWA, was coming into our backyard at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And for whatever reason, Vince wanted to uh, go against them. To, I didn't think they were much of a threat. But, I mean, Vince thought the pay-per-view was his baby, which it kind of was. So he said, you know, you're, you're going on pay-per-view on a Sunday night in between, you know, the playoffs and the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? We're going we're gonna to put our show on on the USA Network, and to, you know, to knock your numbers down, and which that did, and what a, what a rating. I don't know the rating off the top of my head, but it was, it was a big one. I think it still stands today for a cable rating up there yeah, yeah, for yeah. this room. Yeah. So they're going to go against the Bunkhouse Stampede, and they went to the cable companies and really were trying to strong-arm them, saying, you know, if you show this, you're not going to get mania. It was a really big battle. That, that was going on for a while, yes. And the cable companies really didn't want any part of that and eventually would put a stop to it. And, of course, the, 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 the shot back here is that on WrestleMania, what, 5, the first Clash of the Champions will air. Right? That was 4. They did it again at 5. 
Oh, two four. in a row. I meant to say four. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's four okay. was the first one, 88. Uh, and then, of course, the, like you said, they did it again, and they kept going back and forth. And then finally, the cable network said, you got to stop this. Uh, <laughs> so They did the WCW uh, or NWA at the time. They did pretty good ratings. Sting, Flair, and then, of course, I'm sure you loved it, Steamboat Flair the next year. Yep, that was, yeah. Great match. One of the few WCW matches I'm really, really big on. Sure. Uh, let me see. I did just have the rating here. Okay, the Royal Rumble set a record for highest viewed wrestling program at cable TV at the time with an 8.2 rating. Holy shit. Could you imagine nowadays something get, getting an 8.2 wrestling related, getting an 8.2? You got that jabroni Tony Khan getting excited about uh, hitting a million, Mark beating a developmental WWE TV show. That's actually the opposite. The WWE NXT is taking viewers away from AEW. They don't care about beating AEW, I don't think. It's taking viewers away from it, and these marks just don't understand that. But that's another story. Now, a few months later, that was broken by the 15.2 rating for the main event. On regular television, But that was not cable, right? Yeah. Depends how you look at it. But, yeah, uh, the main event did end up with a 15.2 but so basically 88 pat patterson's like i want to find a way to do a battle royal backwards and he comes up with the royal rumble and vince says i want to put something on free tv against the bunkhouse battle royal so they say all right let's do the royal rumble we'll put it on usa and that leads to the very first one won by hacksaw jim duggan this is the fourth one the fourth one that we're going to cover Today in January of 91. Before we do that, Dave, uh, what is Hulk Hogan doing in January of 1991? January of 1991, the Hulkster is on the road. And 1991, in my opinion, still the 80s. I had that 80s feel, like kind of how 1981 is still the 70s, in my opinion. I always like to tell that little information there. But it's still the 80s, in my opinion. Hulk Hogan is out there at the Boston Garden on January 12th. The Hulkster in the tugboat. Go over the tag team of Dino Bravo and the Earthquake. Then on to January 13th, an afternoon show in Dayton, Ohio at the Nutter Center. Hulkster had uh, some bad luck at this arena years later, but Hulk Hogan goes over the Earthquake in a stretcher match. Very cool. Then the night, January 13th, the night show. The Hulkster traveled from Dayton, Ohio to Indianapolis, Indiana at the Market Square Arena. Another bad luck uh, arena for Hogan. But this time he goes over the earthquake once again in a stretcher match. January 18th, on to Lakeland, Florida at the Lakeland Civic Center. The Hulkster goes over the earthquake. January, uh, January 19th, Miami Arena is our show, the Royal Rumble. The next day, Philadelphia Spectrum. Maybe we had some bad weather. Only 6,000 fans are in attendance to see earthquake go over the Hulkster by a countout. January 26th, the Palace of Auburn Hills, Michigan. Hulkster and Tugboat over the earthquake. And Dino Bravo. And finally, at the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, January 27th, Hulkster over Earthquake in another stretcher match. Uh, I never got to see one of those stretcher matches because in my area, they had it in Nassau, not in the Garden or the Meadowlands. And I didn't start traveling out to Nassau until the Nitros were over there. So, you know, they didn't come any closer. I was out. So one. I never got to see. Yeah, I was out. Oh, you saw I a stretcher match? One. Yep. Great. Whereabouts? Uh, right here in Buffalo, they did one. Cool. Yep. How was it? I remember, you know, being excited about Hulk and everything. Sure. I don't remember a lot of details, but yeah, it was cool. It's just a rare, different kind of match. Yep. Like, you know, they had Andre and Killer Khan before our time. 
you didn't see it too often. So I was sure. like, damn, Nassau. You know, it's not gonna, we're not going to see it. Yeah, they had one here. No, it was really cool. And at the time, you know, any of those kind of variant gimmick matches were yeah. so big because they didn't feel outdone yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like anytime. Exactly. I mean, even if it was as simple as a steel cage match, you know, I yeah. would beg to go because it just felt so big that there was some kind of variant match in my town. So I remember, you know, being at a steel cage. I remember seeing a casket match at some point. I saw cool. the stretcher match. So I've definitely been to it. You know, I've probably been to 30, 40 house shows here or whatever. Sure, sure. And, All and, the same place? Buffalo is it Memorial uh, Auditorium? Mostly at the Memorial Auditorium. Then they used Niagara Falls quite a bit. I would go there. Same difference, really. I mean, from my house further, but, you know, in some people. Yeah, we always, we always talk about my arenas. We never really got into it with you. Yeah, mostly. About the, the, the different ones. The Memorial Auditorium closed in 96. Then after that, they mostly ran the uh, the new arena, which has been called a million things. Okay. Which is what I, you know, one thing I hate about it. Was, was it Marine, Marine Midland Arena? It was that. It was Crossroads. It was HSBC. It was First Niagara Center. I mean, it's been a million things. I remember. So that's the one that we'll have a Raw now. And that Yeah, right. that's where Raw. I, okay. I went to Raw in like 2000, I don't know, 13, 14. It was the night that uh, Vince McMahon returned to TV. And it was the night that, uh, what's his name? The Russian guy with Lana. Oh, Rusev. Yeah, he beat Sheamus okay. for whatever about that. That's what oh, I, cool. you know, that's all I remember about it. Okay. I got in for free. Sounds good. I got in for free pimping the sportscasters, but. Oh, wow. All right, where do we stand <laughs> in terms of the Rumble? Are we good? We know we went over what it is. 30 men every two minutes. Start with two. One comes in every two. To be eliminated, you got to go over the top rope, touch the floor, which they will get creative with for years and years Both and years. Both feet. Both feet got to hit that floor to be out. And I think one butt equals both feet. <laughs> one ass. <laughs> if you fall on, the, on your back. Uh, the first one aired on USA would to begin a, a rivalry between the WWF and Jim Cracker Promotions over pay-per-view, which was eventually settled by the uh, pay-per-view company, companies. Uh, Pat Patterson invented it, and we're going to cover the fourth version of it. Still before the winner was guaranteed a title shot, but it does work out that the winner has a title shot. But mm-hmm. it's, it's before that that was automatic. When did they start that? Like 96? 93. Say. 93? That early? Mm-hmm. Yoko. Yep. Oh, okay. I would have said yeah, it was then, then Remember then the next year was Brett and Lex dropping at the same time, and they had the, the, the way to set up WrestleMania 10 with Lex against Yoko. Yeah, I remember Brett that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, what about so when Austin, Austin won it the first time? He didn't get a title shot, did he? 97. Uh, I guess there was it was it there's some chicanery there because he, he rolled Brett out. Remember, Brett didn't go over oh, the top okay. rope. So, then it had like a four-way match or something uh, with Sid. And I think Sid ended up with the belt. So he gotcha. uh, ended up working with, working with Taker. But that's, that's, when I was, that's when I made the move down south by that time. So I was more of a WCW guy. Ugh. With obviously with our guy, you know, being the champ down there. Man, not for me. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised. All right. With all that said, we will take a break. We will come back. We're going to read the news, uh, and then we're going to get into it. The 1991 Royal Rumble. We'll be right back. Time to rumble. It's time for the Royal Rumble. Participants include the immortal Hulk Hogan, the Hitman. Legion of Doom, 
The Undertaker! The Tugboats! The model Rick Martell! Mr. Perfect! Hexah Jim Duggan! The Earthquake! Saba Simba! The British Bulldog! Paul Roma! Tito Santana! Boots the Bushwhacker! Jake the Snake Roberts! The Warlord! Demolition Smash! Texas Tornado carrying on Eric! Hawk of Legion of Doom! Superfly! Luke the Bushwhacker! The Anvil! Demolition Crush! Dino Bravo! Greg the Hammer Valentine! Hercules! Shane Douglas! Nasty Boy Brian Knobs! Haku! And the Macho King Randy Savage! It's every man for himself in the Royal Rumble! Plus, World Wrestling Federation Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, defends the title against the number one contender, Sergeant Slaughter, front and center! And then in tag team action, the Rhodes family! Meet Virgil and Ted DiBiase. The big boss man spurs off against the Barbarian. And then the tag team of the Rockers. Meet the Orient Express led by Mr. Fuji. It's time to rumble! 24-inch podcast is back. Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins. We are ready to cover uh, the 1991 Royal Rumble. But before we do, it's time to read the news. Big month, and it ties right into our show. Absolutely. Most of the stuff. All right, let's start January 1st. And on January 1st, yes, New Year's Day, Iraq rejects a peace proposal from the Egyptian president. Just keep that in your back pocket. Got it. The 77th Rose Bowl, number eight, Washington, from the Pac-12, beat number 17, Iowa. Uh, Later that night at the Orange Bowl, number one, Colorado, beat number five, Notre Dame, 10 to nine. Now you think, Dave, congratulations, Colorado. You won the national championship. Mm Mm-hmm. Sort of. Uh, They won the Associated Press version of the national championship. The coaches poll gave it to Georgia Tech. Um, Oh, wow. So a split national title that year. That's pretty cool. Who's your college team, uh, Steve? Oklahoma. So a good good friend of mine growing up, uh, living down the street from me, an older kid on the street, played football at Oklahoma. And also your very dear, close, personal, longtime friend, good old J.R., a big Oklahoma fan. Yeah, well, I don't know him as well as I used to know Dr. Dust, Steve Williams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was right. more I friends with that. him. It was, you know, JR, I know kind of through people, but uh, yeah, big Sooners fan. <laughs> January 3rd, Israel reopens their consulate in the USSR after 23 years. And uh, Wayne Gretzky becomes the fastest and younger player in NHL history to score 700 goals. He did it in eight. There's the great one. 886 games, and he was 29 years and 200, 342 days old 
Uh, it was a 6-3 win over the Islanders at the Nassau Veteran Memorial Coliseum. It's amazing. No matter what year we do in our show here on the 24 Inch Podcast, Gretzky. the great one, Wayne Gretzky, right? is always in our news. Man. Always. Goes to show you. Man. Yeah, man. All right, another one for the back pocket on January 3rd. Eight Iraqi embassy officials are expelled from the U.K. Get the hell out. Okay. Get out of here. Yep. A uh, big, big day in Newark on January 4th. AT&T workers accidentally snap a cable. Accidentally, in quotation marks. I mean, I'm right down the street from Newark over the, over here. Yeah. You know, not, not too many things happen accidentally in Newark. And we pronounce it over here in Jersey, Newark. Yeah, N-O-R-K. Not the correct spelling. I don't like You that. said it right. I don't like that. You don't? No. How do you say it? Say it. Newark. You're not too bad. Some people go Newark, like like Delaware. This is New Jersey. It's Newark, N-O-R-K. Yeah, I can't, I can't say that. I just I can't even, I can't even do it if I can't. <laughs> Buffalo guy. Yep. Uh, another one for your back pocket. January fourth, Iraq agrees to send Aziz to Geneva to meet Barker on January 9th. Baker, excuse me, on January 9th. So Barker's keep all full. this Iraq stuff in your back pocket because it's gonna come up. Uh, January fourth, uh, Jan Christoph Belecki becomes the premier of Poland. Now that that guy would go on to become Yanni, the uh, was he a um, band director or something like that, or a singer, he opera actually, singer? No, he he was a big part in Perfect Strangers. He was uh, Balkan. Yes, yeah. yes, Balkan's cousin. Yeah, right. his cousin. Uh, okay, <laughs> closes at the Rogers Theater in New York City after seventy-seven performances. Goodbye, okay. See you later. Devastating. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. J- January sixth, Gypsy closes. We got. Man, St. James Theater, New York City. The lights are going down on Broadway, brother. 477. Good run. That's a good run. Uh, let's see. This is interesting. January 6th, the Portland Trailblazers beat the Supersonics 114-111 to 111 be- before a sellout crowd at the Portland Memorial Coliseum. Now, why is it interesting? The 600th consecutive sellout for the Blazers. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, but, of course, now Antifa. Uh, has set up in their arena. Oh, my goodness. No, I have no idea if that's true. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> January 7th, uh, Saddam Hussein prepares his troops for what he says will be a long, violent war against the U.S. Put that in your back pocket. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, January 8th, Gaylord Perry, Ferguson Jenkins, and Rod Carew are elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. We knew that from Adam Sandler. Yep, and Rod Carew is the 22nd player uh, to be elected on the first ballot. Hall of Famer Rod Carew. All right. He converted. Big, 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 big story here in baseball. January 9th. Baseball officially bans Pete Rose. From wow. being elected to the Hall of Fame for betting on baseball. How about it? Not right. It's not right. Absolutely not. It's not right. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He never bet against his team. You know, he's not accused of point shaving or anything like that. And all the shit that goes on in the world nowadays, he's never been reinstated. Insane. Or was he never allowed? Was he never, never still not in to begin still with? Still not yeah, in. So yeah. It didn't get to that point yet. But I mean, come on. Yes, that's probably why. If he probably if he was already in, he probably would have been reinstated by now. You probably know better than me. But uh, hey, we have him in our Hall of Fame, right? That's right. So we're good. That's right. Uh, let's see, the same day, Dean Smith of North Carolina is a six to win 700 career basketball games. He'll, he'll add on to that. Now, we mentioned uh, 
Uh, the great one in hockey. How about the great one in basketball? Michael Jordan scores a game-high 40 points to lead the Bulls to a win over Philadelphia at the Spectrum, and he reaches the 15,000-point mark. Wow, this, I say this time, early 1991, was probably the peak of his pop culture. I mean, he was every, the whole, you know, 91, 92, this whole bit that really, really peak. I mean, Michael Jordan was everywhere, absolutely everywhere, from our feet, you know, on up. All right, big day, January 10th. Congress begins the debate on the Persian Gulf crisis. And then they followed up on the 11th by empowering President Bush to order attack on Iraq. Okay. All right. Uh, January 11th. I'll read it because it's there. Ric Flair wins the NWA WCW wrestling title. In the Meadowlands. Right here. And it's uh, about 3,000 fans. We did have a blizzard on that night. I was not one in attendance. However, uh, Ben Johnson's first race after being stripped of his 1988 Olympic gold medal for steroid use. He finished. What do you think, Dave? Oh, third, second. Oh, well, I was going to say second next. I was going to go right down the line. All right. January 12th, the U.S. Congress gives George H.W. Bush authority to wage war against Iraq. This means war, brother. We're playing with a whole new set of rules. The Saudi Arabia, you know? So we got to be careful, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. January 13th, Soviet troops continue attack on the capital of Lithuania. Uh, Nikolai Volkov was the yeah. big Lithuanian. He was. And, uh, for sure. Uh, one of Dave's favorite, the Barbara D'Angelo show premiered on CBS TV. No, they used to date her? Yeah, you're big on Barbara. Uh, let's see. Okay. The U, uh, January 15th, the United Nation gives a deadline for Iraq to withdraw from Kuwait. Spoiler, spoil alert, they do not. Not yet. Uh, January 15th, Queen Elizabeth signs letters to allow Australia to institute its own Victoria Cross, the first Commonwealth realm to do so, whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, January 16th, the 7th Annual Soap Opera Digest Award, Dave's favorite. Oh, I remember that, don't yes. you? Days of I had my lives. VCR set to it and everything. I had everything turned off around me. I had all my friends from 5th grade over. What a night. Yep, and Days of Our Lives was the big winner. Days of Our Lives. Oh, uh, January 17th, Iraq. Foolish decision here. They fire eight Scud missiles on Israel. My, I can't sit anymore. My back pocket's so filled up. It is. Also on January 17th, almost as big a news, uh, as far at least on my local news, the Mountie, Jacques Rougeau, beats Hart, Bret Hart, for the WWF Intercontinental title. Incorrect, my brother. I read that, too. That is next year, 1992. So they have that falsely printed there. Falsely printed. Fake news. We have to get some fake, fake news back in my era, brother. How about that? No right, surprise. because, the, uh, of course, the Intercontinental title at this point is um, perfect. Mr. Perfect, yeah, and there was a whole thing with the Rumble next year where Roddy Piper took it off uh, the Mountie on the same date, January 19th, because right. they had it on Sunday. Right, yeah, because Brett was sick. Shouldn't have gotten the ring, Brett. 106-degree uh, <laughs> temperature. Right. I am the Mountie. January 17th, Andy Van Helleman sets the NHL record for most games worked by a referee when he appears in his 1,000, 173rd NFL or NHL game. Good for him. So it was, it was a work. Yes. To the rep. Okay, good. 
January 17th, Harold V becomes king of Norway uh, on the death of his father, Olav V. God bless him. And here's a big one. Operation Desert Storm begins with U.S.-led coalition forces bombing Iraq uh, during the Gulf War. So that's January 17th, 1991. Do you remember the start of the Gulf War in your in your life? I do, man. It was it was a big deal because, you know, whatever, we're the same age. We're nine or uh, 19. I was 10, you know, almost 11. And, you know, we haven't seen anything about war. You know, we heard from our grandfathers and stuff about World War II and everything. We heard all about Vietnam. You know, this this didn't you know, match up to those. Some people, maybe it did. But for us, it was a huge deal. I remember the uh, the yellow ribbons everywhere. You know, we're going to get into the news that the Giants went to the Super Bowl. My dad made a sign. He would always make a sign, put outside his house, go Giants. And, you know, that year he had the those yellow ribbons all over the sign, drawn on them and hanging, you know, it was you know, it was, it, was, it was a very big deal for a 10-year-old. It was scary, right? You think about yeah. war, whatever. Yeah. I, I was a little scared, to be honest with you. I do remember. But, uh, I think we sang songs in school, you know, for a music night or whatever. Every, yeah, everybody was uh, peace in the Middle East. And I remember All that kind of stuff. there was Operation Desert, Desert Storm trading cards. <laughs> like, I was a card collector at the time, and I remember, like, Getting the uh, the commander in chief card was like a big deal, like a big deal. So. Yeah, now so if they people say that wrestling exploited it, right? The war. How about the trading cards? Yeah, you know? I think a lot of people exploited it. <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Yep. Okay, January eighteenth, USA. The U.S. acknowledges the CIA and U.S. Army paid Manuel Noriega three hundred and twenty thousand dollars over his career. Uh, a lot of money. January 18th, the longest tennis match at the Australia Open. Boris Becker beats an Italian player whose name I'm not even going to try, and I'm pretty Italian, in five yeah. hours and 11 minutes. Oh, and man. also the record for the most people that fell asleep in the stands. <laughs> the 42nd NHL All-Star Game is at Chicago Stadium in the Campbell Conference. Beats the Wales 11-5. to uh, Vincent Damfus from Toronto is the MVP. And I remember... I don't know if you know this, Dave, but the Chicago Stadium, their thing was to shut the lights off and sing the national anthem. And the crowd's job was to drown out the anthem with cheers. And this is, of course, the very first, you know, big sporting event uh, since the start. And it was an insane anthem. No, that that wasn't against the national anthem. It was just exciting surrounding it. Yeah. They oh, no, drown, no. They don't yeah. want to drown it out. No, you know, no. I don't want to make Cheering, cheering. Yeah. Yeah, but the cheering, the cheering would get so loud that you could almost not hear the anthem. You know what I mean? It was. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And, That's the uh, way it should be. Yeah, really cool. I remember it's, I remember it very clearly watching it. Speaking of Chicago Stadium, a lot of people don't know that when when the Bulls would be coming out and stuff, you know, back in this time, I'll tell people, hey, that's Ricky Steamboat's music. They're like, oh, no, no, he took it from them. Hey, brother, Ricky Steamboat <laughs> had it first, yeah. 1985. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, what else do we got here? Uh, Peter Pan closes. Uh, Michael Jackson would be very upset. Shogun, the musical closes. A lot of musicals closing. All right. Yeah, what's going on? January, January 20th, U.S. Patriot missiles begin shooting down Iraqi missiles. I remember Good that. missile, brother. Yep, I remember sure that. Do. And then, all right, a big day for Buffalo and New York. January 20th. First, the AFC Championship at Rich Stadium in Orchard Park. 
Uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the Los Angeles Raiders 51-3. to Blew them out. I remember this day. Yep, and here's what I remember about this game. I went and watched it with my mother and her friends somewhere, and we're walking in to the bar, and the word had come out that Bo Jackson was not playing. Now, Bo Jackson had been injured against, oh, the, knows. Uh, against the Bengals the week before, and he was questionable for the game. Of course, he never played again. Uh, but going into this, he's very questionable. And the word had come out, and I was like, you think we're going to win? And I was like, yeah, I think the Bills will win. I said, but I just can't imagine him being in the Super Bowl because they hadn't been one yet. I was like, That's when they so, started saying uh, Bo don't know shit. It's so hard to this. believe. But, yeah, the Bills pound the Raiders. They almost got all those 51 points in the first half, too. I mean, it was a, just a, a pounding. And another pounding coming by yeah. Leonard Marshall. Yes, I think Leonard Marshall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Later that day. So I hung out with him. I hung out. We'll get to that. But I hung out with him at the bar once. Yeah. Candlestick Park. Uh, the Giants, underdogs, beat the 49ers, who had won the last two Super Bowls, 15 to 13. Matt, Big upset. Matt Barr uh, kicked the winning field goal. And, uh, yeah, Leonard Marshall knocked out Joe Montana. With an assist from LT, of course. Assist that was a LT. big, big news. Because we had a lot of you know, front runner Niners fans. Cause they had been, you know, they had been great leading up to this. There's, you know, there's always people that are front runners or maybe not front runners. Maybe they stuck with yeah, them. Going for the third, they're going for Whatever. a repeat. Yeah, going but, for you know, go, going into school the next day or whenever it was, you know, the 49ers sits on Joe Montana got knocked out. It was, it was, it was a big deal. It was kind of cool. Some scary stuff here. We'll get to more of that when we get to the Super Bowl. Uh, some more, some scary war stuff. New, CBS news correspondent, Bob Simon, and his four TV crew were captured and held for 40 days by Iraqis in the Persian Gulf. Yeah, the same thing happened with Iran, Iran, right? Years, years prior. January they 22nd. Yep. And that, that Iran, the Iran hostages, that was a big deal for the year. Bigger deal. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, January 22nd, the Kuwaiti oil facilities are destroyed by Iraqi forces. Not a, not a smart move by them. No, sir. Uh, let's see, January 23rd, the world's largest oil spill caused by embattled... Wait a minute, did you say the world's largest toga party? No, that's a few oh, oil 93. spill. That's oh, okay. 93. I'm sorry, I must have a bad connection. Yep, Iraqi forces in Kuwait. Uh, okay, this is interesting, January 25th, St. Louis Blues right wing Brett Hall scores twice in a 9-4 win at Detroit to give him 50 goals in 49 games. He's only the third NHL player to do that. Brett the Hitman Hall. Brett the Hitman hole. Uh, Manuel Noriega is given access to assets frozen by the U.S. government. Another Noriega story. Uh, let's see. January 26th, A Few Good Men closes. 497 performances. Few Good Men. Not a uh, few. Oh, good not, men. not the movie. I thought you were going to say theaters. That you mean the. Uh, the a play. The bro- play. Yeah, okay. The well, mu- I don't. The I don't music recall. box theater. Okay. I wonder what's the deal nice with all run. these. I wonder what's the deal with all these shows shutting down. I just think that our our, our page that we go we go to is likes Broadway or you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's just interesting that there's so many. Clo- like, is that normal? Yeah. You know, for so many plays. I think uh, there was in 1991 summer. I remember with, with rock and roll. There's I remember a little piece on MTV. There was a recession with people going to concerts and shit like that. I don't know if that ties in. It's hmm. possible, right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see what we got here. January 27th, Super Bowl 25. Tampa Bay Florida, the New York Giants beat the Buffalo Bills 20-19. Running yeah. back Otis Anderson is the MVP. Of course, the Giants won the right to play 
in the Super Bowl on a walk-off field goal by Matt Barr, and then won the Super Bowl on a missed field goal, 47 yards by Scott Norwood. Uh, obviously a crazy day, one of the greatest renditions of the National Anthem ever by Whitney Houston. Yeah, I love Whitney Houston. There's a really good book called Super Bowl Monday by a guy named Adam Lazarus. Uh, and Adam and I did a Super Bowl 25 podcast last year. We broke cool. down every aspect of Super Bowl 25. Jeff Hostetler. Yep, Jeff Hostetler. To the rescue. And really, you know, the Bills blew it. Like, the Bills were big favorites. Uh, Absolutely. This, this was the start of the, the Belichick's war, you know. Belichick yeah. came up with the plan, him and Parcells, to slow down uh, the Bills' offense. But still, the Bills should have won the game. Um, there's kind of a miracle moment where the Bruce Smith sacks Jeff Hosteller in the end zone, but somehow he holds on to the ball. So, you know, it's only a safety instead of a touchdown, potentially. Uh, just one of those things that just didn't go the Bills' way. Giants and, love those uh, upsetting upsets in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the Bills never got that close. Three out of four. The Bills never got that close again. So, And uh, they're not – we thought maybe, you know. I mean, they went to Bill- the next four or the next three after this one, but – you know, none of those games were as close as this one. Never did they Bill have Bella, a chance Bill Belichick is uh, once again unhappy with Tom Brady uh, leaving him in the dust, it seems. Yep. Uh, January 27th, Boris Becker won his first Australian title. He beat Avon Lundell. So I guess it was a good thing he, he, he put his work in in that one big match. Uh, January 28th, the 18th annual American Music Awards. Two of Dave's favorites, MC Hammer and Jared Jackson. Are the big winners that night? Actually, I am a MC Hammer, Mark. Oh, who isn't? Yeah, Did you get I those had the pants, uh, right. I don't know if I had the pants. I had Cavaricis. Do they count? But I would fuck it up. I would like, you know, I was in the fifth grade. I guess my sisters got me Cavaricis for Christmas, but I would wear like a Metallica shirt with the Cavaricis. It didn't really work out for me, but um, that was just a little little stint there of that uh, mixing the Guido and the rock and roll guy together. The crew was on American uh, Music Awards. They won for Dr. Feelgood. Vince and Tommy went up uh, this year and took the award. Very good. That is the news in January of 1991. Yep. All right. That means it is time for the Royal Rumble. Time to rumble. Uh, The location is Miami, Florida, the Miami Arena. It's 16,000 sold out in the building. A hot crowd. Sold out. Hot crowd. Announcers on the pay-per-view are Gorilla Monsoon. And the Let's hot, get rowdy. The Hot Rod. All what right, do you we, think, Steve? Hot Rod on color. Not bad. Not great. Miss Jesse. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, they could have slid. Bobby was still managing. He had the IC champ. He didn't have a big roster of guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it did its... It just did its, okay. Just okay. Yeah, B-. I think they wanted him to be heel. A heel. But it just didn't work out. Because remember at SummerSlam, he was kind of heelish. Piper, SummerSlam 90, like in between her. Then he went that once the better. war started. He yeah. was better in a three man booth, I think. Like when he's playing yeah. off body. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Third guy. All right. Third we, face. We start with a shot of the flag, followed by an intr- instrumental version of the national anthem, which confused Paula. I guess she maybe had never heard it with just that okay. in- instrumental. Uh, and then the classic montage of Vince announcing the participants. Of the Rumble, which I always loved. You gotta love that. Haku! Yep. Sato. No Sato in this one, but uh, not Kato either. You know what I mean. Sure. Speaking of those guys, uh, the Orient Express versus the Rockers. It's the first matchup, and it's a good one. 
Uh, like a, a few notes I wrote, Gorilla never misses a chance to call the Rockers. Tag team specialists. Uh, Tag team specialists, hot rod. The crowd is hot for the match. There's great athleticism. I thought Fuji's a little underrated. He really played his role uh, like a true Hall of Famer and has a great finish with a huge pop. I gave it four and a quarter stars. What do you think of the Orient Express versus the Rockers? I love the spot where uh, Kato and uh, Tanaka have the karate belt and they whip Shawn Michaels into the corner. They're going to clothesline him with the karate belt. But instead of Shawn ducking under it, which you thought he would do, he, he like jumps on the belt and they, they go noggin, you know, noggin, noggin. Uh, sure, double Kato's. noggin. Knocker. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. it. Love it. You don't see that too often. I thought that was really cool. Uh, awesome match. I'll get to my, my grade in a moment, but I have a little HDR Hollywood Dave theory, like I like to bring up here on the shows. Now, it's not a fact, Jack. It's just a theory. Everybody knows about that tag team title switch at the main event after the Survivor Series with the Rockers going over the Hart Foundation, but the rope broke. They couldn't air it on NBC. All this and that happened, and the titles it never aired. We didn't find out until years later. The titles were given back to the Hart Foundation. But I believe they started booking for the Rockers to be the champions, and this would have been a tag team title match. That's why the match is on the card. I think this, the major point why I think this is because, strangely, after Survivor Series, and that main event was the Friday after Survivor Series 90, main event in NBC, Bret the Hitman Hart was wrestling singles matches in the house shows. Cole Holder and the tag team champions. I know they like to break up the Hart Foundation a lot over the years into singles matches, but not when they're the champs. So that's just a little observation for me. I think it was still being booked in that way, and this would have been a a tag title match for the Rockers. And I think they would they were deserving champions. I think they would have been a great champions. But the uh, the the face side of the uh, tag team was oversaturated with the LOD in at this time, Bushwhackers even. But great match. Okay, my grade. Yeah, four and a half for sure. Okay, four and a half for sure. It, it, I mean, it starts off kind of like a regular great Rockers match. Or I mean, these guys worked together for years. Uh, obviously, Cato was Paul Diamond under the mask, and they worked uh, as bad company. Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond, in AWA, and had more matches just like this, if not better, in AWA right. together. So yeah, four and a half star match. This match really picks up about halfway through. And it's just badass. What a way to open a pay-per-view. Yeah, the crowd's hot for it. You know, every spot works. It just really clicks. You know, it really clicks. Yeah, we go to the everything. back. We go to the back, and Sean Mooney's with the Macho Man, who says he's the number one contender. Uh, Sean wonders if the Warrior agrees, and Scary Sherry's there on the arena floor with uh, Mean Gene. And uh, Sherry says to Slaughter, uh, we'll give Macho a match, but the Warrior is gutless. Uh, so that, of course, brings the Warrior out. He's a warrior, but the USA version, head to toe. I thought he was from Parts Unknown, but apparently... Love the big, jacket. Yeah, big USA guy, even in Parts Unknown. It must be an ally. <laughs> uh, Sherry tries to really use sex to bait the warrior, uh, but it doesn't work. Macho Man's pissed. In 1991, WWF, not too much sex. Yeah, but was, maybe a little bit of Sherry cleavage here and there. It was certainly on display here. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the, the, the end goal is that... Warrior says no, no, no chance that. And I kind of thought, yeah, I love this this whole thing. I love that there's an angle going around and during a pay per view, kind of like uh, the Sapphire thing at sure. SummerSlam. Yep. You know, I, a lot of people don't like that pay per view. Like you it. know, Mel- Melzer match. They want ah, all matches. Them. We just yeah, we just had the Rockers match. We you need a little bit of everything. I love that there's angle going on. And Macho Man, 
is just the MVP of this show without even getting in the fucking ring. You know what I mean? The way he's all over. You see him run out of the back. They're showing him. They didn't show a lot of this stuff until like the Raw era and the Raw Attitude era stuff behind the scenes and in the back. Macho Man's running out. The camera's following him. He runs through the crowd. The crowd, I don't think he's expecting him coming out. He just runs right by everybody, hops over the rail over there. He's, you know, he's pumped up. And you, watching this, you know, in real time, you're like, wow, what is going on? Like something big is happening tonight. Yep. And something and something did. But I think it kind of made the warrior look like a little bit of a puss saying no. You know what I mean? Like, I remember thinking that. Like, oh, you don't want to give, say, you know, yeah, whatever, yes, but not now or some shit. Fair. Have a way of saying that. That's fair, yeah, but I also kind of made him look a little weak. I also think he's just saying, you know, no, you're not going to tell me. What because to because of the way they're going about it. Right. Correct. I'm the champ. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, kind of a thing. Correct. Hulkster never did that, though. Uh, well, yeah, well, the Warriors, no Hulkster. Uh, <laughs> WrestleMania 7 promo, the first one of the night, and I just noticed that they were still advertising for the Coliseum, you know, even in Still the- advertising for the Coliseum? Yeah. I don't think it was till February when the decision was made. All right. The- I remember watching WrestleMania 7, Steve, because we didn't know, and, you know, I knew it was going to be a stadium. I was looking for, uh, the carts, you know what I mean? So I sure. knew that WrestleMania 3 yep. and 6 had the carts. Yep. I remember looking and looking, and I'm like... This doesn't look like a. This looks like you know a regular Saturday night's main event or something like. Yep. Hmm. I still didn't know. I lost when they said sports arena. It, you know, didn't click with me. Sure. Whatever. But yeah, yeah, that was going through my head. All right, the barbarian. He's with Bobby Heenan. He's going to face the boss man. Kind of the idea hit here is that uh, the boss man is going through the Heenan family. Uh, hopefully, going to lead him to, you know, perfect and the IC title. Yeah. Uh, he's looking for that at Mania, but he's got to get through the Barbarian first. Uh, there's loud weasel chants, and I just keep noting all and all, over and over what a great crowd this is. And uh, Boss Man is just bumping all over the damn place. He's one of the great, he's awesome. great bumpers for his size. And uh, Bobby is, is really good, I thought. And uh, Boss Man gets the win. Another and, great match. Yeah, a really good match. I had it at three stars. Uh, I thought it was really effective. And uh, it did exactly what it what it needed to do, and that's get uh, the boss man one step closer to to the Intercontinental Title and Mister Perfect at WrestleMania. So I went three. What did you think of this one? Yeah. I love everything about this feud. Heenan and the boss man when it started off a rude before he left. He, all Heenan's jokes. It's it's you know prime Heenan. You know the way he, the way he should be used. So good. Even went into my school in fifth grade. My friend Ronnie, who's uh, still a good friend of mine to these days. Shout out to uh, Ron Simone. But he, uh, you know, he was bigger than everybody. You know, he became a football player for Rutgers and everything. He's a big kid. And he used to copy the boss man. And he would go up to kids in school and say, you talk about my mama, Bobby Heenan. And he would beat on, <laughs> you know, and he would beat on the kids. They'd be like, no, I didn't talk about your mama. You know, but that, that's how these feuds were. They, they, they would carry on to the school. And uh, just just good stuff, man. And everybody want to see the boss man get his comeuppance. He's in there with. With Barb, you know, the Barbarian, one of the great wrestler in his own right. And another match, and it got it started off a little slow, but it, well, not really, but it really got cooking. Towards the end, it's going to be over now. No, what? It's gonna, even I'm just watching now. I haven't watched it in a while. Like, oh, it's kicked out. He kicked out. There you go. Uh, what, how many stars did you give it? I gave it three. Okay. Uh, I'll give Two. it three. In, do we do quarters? Yeah, you can do quarters. I'll go three and a quarter. I'll go a little more. I was really impressed. All right. Uh, in the back, Sergeant Slaughter and Adnan. Uh, do a promo with Sean Mooney. And the first thing I want to mention is that thought Paula thought Adnan was Sheik's uncle. 
Uh, okay, which, makes which sense. Made me laugh, but also Paul is frightened by slaughter. He was also a sheik. Yeah. And remember, Paul Saddam Hussein before this on Superstars gave sent uh, uh, Sergeant Slaughter those Iron Sheik boots. He opened it up as a gift well, one, from Saddam Hussein, brother. One thing I'll say about this era is Slaughter's giving great promos. I mean, this is a really good, effective heel promo, and I think through this whole run, you know, Slaughter's just just right on here. So. Really good. Probably miss old pro. Yep. Uh, they cut then to Gene, who's in the back with the Warrior, and I have no clue what he's saying. Yeah, Warrior couldn't connect. It was tough. It was really tough, man. We, we The match that's coming up, the world title match, like because of what was going on, my friend Soup, we talk about him all the time, Danny Stewart, he was over at my house for this pay-per-view. We wanted the Warrior to win, but it was kind of like because of, you know, because of the war. And he wore the, you know, the, he's fighting Sergeant Slaughter. But it was that little something, and we're going to get to it when we finish it, when we talk about the match. It's a little something of having him against Hulk. It's it just him taking the belt from Hulk. It was lingering with a lot of people. I, was, I think that's why it didn't work. I was never a warrior guy. You know, I was obviously a Hogan, a Hogan guy. I never really took the warrior. My little brother had a Hogan, or excuse me, a warrior, one of those pillow guys. The wrestling buddies. Yeah, wrestling buddy. So I kind of just hated that. And I'd always, re- I'd always, wrestle- <laughs> I like that. I just hated that. Yeah, I always wrestled that stupid thing, kick his ass all around. Yeah. But- the day after WrestleMania six, I was in fourth grade, and you know WrestleMania six for our listeners was Hogan Warrior. Yeah, I was there. Uh, my, uh, you were there. That wow, yeah. you got, you got some good ones under your belt, man. Yeah, yeah. You were there, at Sky Dome. But yeah. anyway, my my teacher said, you know, bring the the tape in the next day. And we're watching in school if everybody was good or whatever. We're all good. And, you know, a lot of people still in 1990 didn't have pay-per-view. A couple of the kids that, sure. that had, had it and saw it kept their mouths shut. You know, don't spoil it. So I remember we we pulled the class. Like, it was, you know, 20 kids, 18, 20 kids, whatever. Who do you want to win? Two people said the Warrior. Mm. Everybody else, Hogan. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, it's just things you just don't forget. There's that classic story of being in the limo. That night and Vince and Pat and Bruce and they knew they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So the Warrior was over. He was hot, but you can't have it would be like having Hogan beat Bruno in 1984 for the belt. You can't do that. Well, you know what I mean? It just, it just doesn't work that way. Warrior is the champ and it's a mixed review on how the, the, the run went. But that's a discussion for another time. The pop is OK for Warrior, but. For as great as this crowd was, I expected more. Uh, I thought when he broke the flat flag and stuff, I thought they were into it. Well, my next note says that the crowd yeah. does get hot uh, for Warrior as he clears the ring. Uh, but then, you know, as the match gets going, Sherry shows up and she baits the Warrior. And here's here's the story of the match. It's not just uh, Warrior versus Slaughter, but it's Warrior versus Slaughter and Adnan and... You know, and Sherry and Macho Man and Sherry Bates, uh, the warrior down the aisle and out of nowhere. I mean, out of nowhere, uh, Savage just jumps out, cracks the warrior, beats him with the light. Really awesome. And this is a huge light. This is not just like some lantern laying around like Bray Wyatt would bring to the ring or something. This is a giant, you know, 10 foot pole. And in the ring, the slaughter does a great job of breaking the count. Over and over. Just, it's a little detail, but, you know, instead well, of... Sergeant Slaughter is very underrated as a wrestler. 
Yeah, whole in, career. Instead of them just ignoring the count, right? Because it's not going to be a count out. Uh, I thought it's a little thing, a little detail, but I just thought Sauter was really good there. Um, gets back to the mat, you know. Warrior gets back in the ring. We go back and forth a little bit, and boom, there she is again. Uh, Sherry, and you, you notice her set down the. She sets down the scepter. You know, gets in the ring. Macho comes behind her. Uh, a little bit of a bump into the rope, and whammo, you know, uh, Savage just cracks Warrior in the head with that thing. Uh, I think they said that Warrior was picking pieces of glass out of his head for three days. I mean, yeah, he, man. he cracks him with all he's worth. That was a nice shot. Yep. And, and also, I wanted to add, uh, before you go on, I, the way um, Savage protected Sherry when uh, Warrior threw her out of the ring over the top rope, a lot better than DiBiase and Andre and Virgil protected Earl Hempner. Sure. Yeah. Right. It was the same the same spot, but yep. uh, you know you have Macho out there this time. Yep, and uh, it's a one two three, and to my shock, at least watching at my party, you know Sergeant Slaughter's the new champion. I was Unbelievable. Even the way they did the one two three, I remember after being afterwards like, huh? Like it's not usually one two three, ding ding ding, and new. Right, and they, they played it well. Use, they yep. they played it off like oh. Did, did the referee mess up, or what? What, what happened there? Like even announced, I bet it's a DQ. And then when they finally say and new, it's one of the best end news I yeah. think Howard ever got here. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember me and my me and Soup, my buddy, look at each other, and we knew Hulkster's, you know, Hulkster's taking that title next. So we had that gleam in our eye. And the very next thing they they air is the WrestleMania promo, yep. WrestleMania Seven, and Hulk's highlighted at the end of it. Like here we go. It's on. Yeah, I just thought it was a great finish. It was a furious match. I mean, right from the bell, you know, there's people coming and going and and bumps and people outside, inside. Uh, just really good. I thought the booking was great. I gave it three and three quarters, 3.75 stars for that one for me. Yeah, man, this is really good. I'll go three and a half, you know, right there. This is a good – this is one, only one of two Warrior pay-per-view title matches. You know, he didn't have too many. Right, but, the other uh, one was Rick Rude, it, it, right? Rick Root is SummerSlam in the cage. But um, this was a, one of those shockers. Like, I, that's, those are my favorites when something really shocks me. When Hogan lost the belt to Undertaker is another one. And when Hogan lost the belt to Yokozuna. And How I about agree. when he lost it to shock. Andre? I mean. Yeah, I was nervous. I was scared and nervous and thought, you know, I was young. and thought I just gonna, never you know. thought he could lose it. You know, yeah, I, thought, I thought he was going to lose. To me, I was like, I, oh, know, I, was, I was nervous. That one I was nervous personally, I was but shocked. the Undertaker one and Yokozuna, uh, what the hell? You know, the, the, I, that those two really caught me off guard. As did this one, right? It, just as much, and I love it. Those are the ones you remember, the yep. ones that surprise you. We got a new That's champion. The way it should be. We got a new champion, and as you say, they cut right to a WrestleMania Seven promo. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. All right, now this is where. How about the, how about Slaughter with the purple belt? <laughs> it lasted. He lasted for a little while. Right. Yeah, that's funny. All right, Coco Beware uh, versus the yeah. Bounty with Jimmy Hart. Major cooldown uh, after the one last of the, match. One of the only matches in pay-per-view history, I could be pay-per-view history of our time, that was not announced beforehand. This is a surprise match. Yeah, just a major cooldown. Uh, it's a little long, in my opinion, but Jimmy Hart works great. I thought the managers, we call them bosses in our house. I always tell cool. Paul, you know, that's this one's boss, this one's boss. I thought they all worked really great in this night. Yeah, uh, Jimmy was giving Frankie a little lip. I was match. a little surprised that they went with a heel win after the last match as the Mountie. Well, this was uh, 
This is the Mounties' debut, actually. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a little surprise that it would be there. You know, when you go heel to heel, thought yeah. maybe you'd try to pop the crowd back a little bit. Um, I think it was a time filler, and they sent them out there. I think they had some extra time. Well, whatever it, the case. It wasn't announced. I'm not a big fan of it, but I gave it two stars. Yeah, uh, I'm going to only go a star and a half because I expect a lot more out of Coco's matches. I think he's a great wrestler. His matches are always exciting, even though you, you know he's probably going to put somebody over. This didn't have that normal Coco-style match. Something was a little off here. It was the Mounties' debut. He didn't debut on Superstars or Challenge. It was here on a pay-per-view. And uh, it's a star and a half. But, I mean, it was just filler. All right, couple promos. First, Macho and Sherry are in the back. They're with Mooney. Uh, and Savage basically just says, hey, Warrior, you're a crybaby, and you should have made me the number one contender uh, as the Warrior tries to literally bust down the door and get in. Uh, Macho runs off. Then we cut to Mean Gene, who's with Slaughter and Adnan. And, you know, Slaughter told us so. He said he was going to win the belt. He went out, and he won the belt. Um, Lord Alfred Hayes announces a European tour, and we go to a five-minute intermission. I miss these intermissions. Yeah, these are the There's best. There's a charm to them for some reason. Yeah, abso- oh, absolutely. It makes it feel like a real sporting event more. Absolutely. All right, we come back uh, to a montage of fans wishing the troops the best in Iraq, which I thought was cool. Yeah, very cool. A little long, which and, is cool by me. And then we get a run of promos. So we got a Jake promo. Uh, he wants Martel in the Rumble. Earthquake says he wants Taker. Perfect. Tugboat and Hogan. So he's got a whole list of guys he's looking for. Uh, Valentine, Mr. Charisma, says he wants all 29. <laughs> uh, the Texas Tornado, he promises a victory. Uh, the Legion of Doom, they say blah, 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 blah. What a rush. That's what I got out of it. Uh, Taker, Brother Love does most of the talking until Taker says, Rest in peace. Amazing. He's still he, he with Brother Love for two pay-per-views. Yep. A lot of people wouldn't believe that. Uh, Hacksaw, another guy, says he's going to win. Uh, Martel, he wants Jake, uh, and he'll guide him out. Uh, Bulldog says six words, but I'm not really sure what any of them were. Uh, Perfect says he's the greatest. He'll win. And then Tugboat calls out Hulk. So that's a big yeah. run of promos. Kind of cool there. All right. Now, here's my thing. After the title match, there's just one match too many. You know, so I don't know. Maybe get rid of the Coco one. But anyway... It's another match here in the undercard, and it's Virgil and DiBiase versus Dustin and Dusty. Big angle. Yep. Angle uh, match. Mooney's with Ted and Virgil, and uh, Ted's confident uh, with Virgil. Uh, like I said, I feel like it's one too many matches on the undercard, but the crowd's hot for it, really. Uh, I like how they're working a body part. You know, solid old-school tag wrestling in there. You know, you got Dusty and DiBiase are two of the best to ever do it. I just really thought they put on a little bit of a clinic in the ring, really. Uh, Dusty misses an elbow. And the Million Dollar Man gets a win almost out of nowhere. Um, It's really good. I gave it three stars, but the focus is really on the aftermatch, right? Uh, Ted yells at Virgil, tells him to put the belt on him. Uh, Virgil gets in the ring. Looks like he's going to do it. He says no. He cracks him. Piper orgasms on the uh, microphone. And uh, the crowd popped hard for it, too. Uh, but after, you know, two and a half years or whatever, three years together, finally they're going to split Virgil and DiBiase, and they use this match to do it. Uh, and that feud will last uh, through the summer, really, or more. Yeah. I just didn't like how they, they had vignettes several weeks before this, you know, a month leading up with DiBiase all of a sudden. He always pushed Virgil around, but now really pushed them around, so you know this is going to happen. Right. 
So I kind of wish it was just kind of more they like telegraphed a it. something. Telegraphed they really, you knew it was going to happen. It didn't happen here. It was going to happen at WrestleMania. But it was still, DiBiase is a badass. When he starts beating up Virgil, when he gets pissed at him and throws him out of the ring, then Dusty comes in and he pins him. It's like, what a badass. And his music comes on. You just got to love it. Dusty's on his way out the door right after this. And this is uh, Dustin's one-off appearance. And you know, about four or five years later, he would be on a big streak of pay-per-views as Gold Dust. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a cool match. It was an angle. You know, they ran those vignettes, whatever. So me, even in fifth grade, knew that Virgil's turning good. He shook Kerry Von Erich's hand in Madison Square Garden a month before this. Piper was, you know, said they went out to lunch together and everything. Okay, this guy's turning good. But, uh, yeah, when it was coming, it was great. Good pop when Virgil hit him with the belt. Uh, give it to him. Two and for the angle and everything, three stars. Yeah, that's what I did. I gave and it three fair, out of respect to the two yeah. main guys in the match and to the Yeah, and farewell to Dusty. I, I enjoyed his uh, WWF run here. Two and a lot a half, of people did, and I did. Two and a half match, half a star for the angle. All right. There you go. Well, WrestleMania 7 promo again, and then we get Hulkster. He's with me and Gene. He dedicates the match to the troops. He says he's going to win. Uh, Gene reports that Slaughter had just defaced Old Glory. Uh, Hulk flubs a promo at the end. And kind yeah. Of, Leans into Mean Gene. He can't get Saddam Hussein's name out. And Mean Gene helps him through at the end of it. You don't see that much, but. Yeah, they show. I think they show this on, like, bloopers on the network or something. Yeah, they're just. I'm going to. Got... Yep. They're, they're, <laughs> but but the point of this is right away they're they're setting up, you know, Hulk and Slaughter. Yeah. You know, Gene reporting, oh, he's still facing the flag. And Hulk is dedicating the match to the troops. So You know, Steve, I kind of like when there's these flubs. It makes it more real. If someone's real pissed off, they're not going to say everything perfect. In a match, when the crowd chances, chance you fucked up, if it was a real fight, that's going to happen. Things are not it's going to, the move's going to look weird sometimes. Goldberg's going to go head first to a post. Things, things get messed up. So sometimes the flubs, I think, add a little more to it. And on the issue of, yeah, yeah the, it was almost doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. But the issue of uh, Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein, now <laughs> I can't say it right myself. Uh, me and my buddies, you know, we're in our twenties. We'd go to the local right here in Kearney and, you know, the surrounding towns, local independent shows, ECWA or some shit. And there was this big fat Middle Eastern guy and his name was Saddam insane. And he was our favorite. And we got a big kick out of that. So I just want to, want to throw Saddam insane in there. Shout out to him. <laughs> Wherever he is. All these right. Days. That leads us to the Royal Rumble. Uh, Brad, the hitman Hart is first out of the curtain. He'll be number one. Number two is Dino Bravo. Uh, he's with Jimmy Hart. Uh, these guys battle for a bit. No eliminations until then. Greg the Hammer Valentine's number three. Yeah. Uh, he comes out. Good to see the hammer. He's got the short haircut going. Fresh, Freshly turned face. And he eliminates Dino Bravo, the first elimination in the match. Number four is Paul Roma. He's with Slick. Romeo Roma. Yep, Romeo Roma with Slick. Uh, number five is Texas Tornado, and they're going to – Kind of build the ring a little bit here. You get Texas Tornado at five, Martell at six, uh, Tony Atlas at seven. And, That's Tony Atlas. And Saba Simba. Saba Simba, yep. And Bushwhacker Butch at eight. So they build the ring. They got seven guys in there. And then the motto eliminates uh, Simba. He's like uh, Gorilla Gorilla or Roddy couldn't tell who Saba Simba was when he's running down the ring. It took him the whole time until he got into the ring. Oh, yeah. Saba Simba. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Number nine is Jake the Snake, who obviously beelines to Martel as they work in their angle. Big feud. Yep. Number 10 is Hercules. 
And then number, number 11, Arriba, Tito Santana. Dear friend of mine. Uh, Jake eliminates Roma. And then number 12. Romeo Roma. Number 12, The Undertaker. With Brother Love, he comes down and he eliminates Bret Hart, uh, who's the first guy in the match to kind of ha- be in there a while, you know, a good half hour or so. Hitman, always getting him ready for that singles run. Uh, little by little. We're getting close. Jimmy Snuka is number 13. Uh, and then fly, Taker, Taker with another elimination. He eliminates Butch. You know, now this is funny. Keep this in your back pocket. Butch was in there from 8 to 13. He was in the other back pocket. Yep, he was in there from 8 to 13. All right. Isn't it, isn't it funny, Steve? Uh, it, it almost Obviously, we know this. We're big fans of the era. But it almost seems weird seeing The Undertaker in there with our like it's just like he's around then it's like almost right. like weird like yep. yeah he wasn't what a difference early 91 to late 91 what a year sure. he had the undertaker sure. quite the rise number yeah. 14 davy boy uh who looks just roided out of his mind and if, if thank god this was before the big battle royal at royal arbor hall or gorilla would have brought it up a million times <laughs> sure smash is number <laughs> 15 uh and then the motto eliminates jake uh to pour some more yeah, on that fire. Sixteen is Hawk. Seventeen is Shane Douglas, who looks a lot like Shawn Michaels, kind of from far away. Or they were they, Mr. They, Perfect. He did even. some recording at this time in the studio with Jimmy Hart, Shane Douglas. He was going to be like a rocker, like a yeah. He like the rockers, like one. The, the rockers were the rockers, but I mean, he was going to be like a Bon Jovi, like right? Single, sure. And he he even did some some. Jimmy was teaching him how to sing. His father ended up getting sick or something. He left for a while. He came back, and they never did the gimmick. I wonder where that would have went. It's uh, better than Dean Douglas, I'm sure. Another elimination for Taker. He throws the tornado out in a, one foot. Uh, and then... <laughs> did two feet hit the ground? They only one foot Yeah, only one. Uh, so he won. He's, he's still a real in winner. It. He's still in it yeah. to this day. Uh, Hawk eliminates Snooker. All right, number 18. Nobody comes out. What Loved the it. hell? You know why? Do you want me to say who ends up being? Yeah, go ahead. Hold back. Sure. Well, it ends up being Macho Man. And you know why they did this, in my opinion? We've seen enough of them. No overexposure. If he ran out, you could have had him come out and have Warrior come out and chase him around the ring, eliminate himself, chase him to the back. But this is the time of less is more. Keep us wanting more. We've seen it. We've seen enough of it. It's been through the whole show, the angle. Well, I and, and in, kayfabe, in kayfabe, I would say the, the Warrior already chased him out of the building. We saw that earlier. Exactly. Yeah. But we could have had him chase him around the ring. Chase, we could have seen him chase him out the building. But less is more. Uh, number 19, we'll call Macho Man the ninth elimination when Animal comes in at 19. He's officially eliminated. Yeah, I like how Piper made that point. Yep. That uh, he had that full two minutes to get in. The LOD eliminate Taker together. Takes two. I like that. Did it remind you of Demolition eliminating Andre the year before? Yep, very fair. Uh, the Crush. Ruby saying hello. I don't know if he could hear. Number 20 is Crush. Uh, number 27 is Hacksaw. Hacksaw with his stick. Uh, number 22, Earthquake with Jimmy Hart. They come out. And uh, Hercules and the model go out together, eliminated by Hawk. And then the Earthquake gets his first. Her, I'm sorry, the model Animal. model should still be – yeah, the model's in still. Yeah, I said him and Hercules eliminated Hawk. Oh, I'm sorry. Number 23, Mr. Perfect with Bobby Heenan. Boy, that Intercontinental looks beautiful. Uh, he comes in. He eliminates Hacksaw. And then 24, 
the 24-inch Pythons, the 24-inch podcast, the 24th member of the match, Hulk Hogan, he comes out. The immortal. And he eliminates Smash right away. Don't you love how you hear some kid before you see him go, it's Hulk Hogan. It's Hulk, yeah, it's Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Boom, and then he comes out. Like, I guess you could see him, see him back there a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Number 25 is Haku. Uh, and then Hulk, again, he eliminates Valentine. He's on the warpath. 26 is Valentine the Valentine with, with a great showing. Yeah. About 40 minutes for 35 minutes. The Anvil comes out. Uh, looks good. Uh, Earthquake eliminates uh, Tito. Uh, 27 is Luke. Bushwhacker in one of the all-time great spots. He comes down to the ring. He bushwhacks. He gets in the ring. Earthquake grabs him by the head, throws him out the other side, and he bushwhacks his way right to, to the back. Wax in and wax out. Whacked in and whacked out. And, then, and you know what? He got his payday, and everybody remembers it. And that's the story here is that Butch was apparently very pissed off that he had to work 10, 15 minutes in the match, and Luke Mitt worked 10, 15 seconds, and supposedly they got the same pay. Same pay, I'm sure. All right, uh, let's see. Brian Nobbs, he's, number, you, mate. he's number 28, uh, and he eliminates Herc. Uh, we should mention uh, that a dark match was his partner, Sags, uh, who defeated Sam Houston. Correct, and I actually asked uh, Sags and Nobbs about this at a convention uh, not too long ago, I guess maybe not even a year before COVID. And um, uh, they didn't remember why I said, you guys flip a coin, who's who's going to get the rumble spot and who's in a dark match? They couldn't remember why. But um, they were very, Nobbs was very fond of uh, of his spot here in, in the rumble. He was kind of cutting sacks off, talking talking a lot. He was he was really into it, you know, being out there, one of the last guys in and all. But, uh, yeah, no, they didn't, they couldn't answer my question as why Sacks was put there and Nobbs was put in the match. Well, Nobbs was replacing Honky Tonk Man, but... Too many brewskis between now and then, I guess. Yeah. All right, number 29 is the Warlord. Warlord. Uh, and as he comes in, Hulk eliminates Crush. Uh, and then Hulk eliminates Warlord, who... Always always eliminates the Warlord from Battle Royal. Such a great draw for Warlord, but he doesn't last long. He doesn't even make it the full two minutes. Same thing next year. And then number 30 is Tugboat. All right, so... Toot, toot. Everyone's in, and we've got 20 eliminated. Number 21, Nobbs eliminates Shane Douglas. Number 22, Hulk eliminates Tugboat. That's something. That's something right there, yeah, right? The Hulkster yeah. and Tugboat were tag team partners. Yeah, time. but that, that, that relationship's over. Three man for themselves. 23, Bulldog eliminates Perfect. Possible intercontinental push there. Coming up. Coming yep. up. Uh, the model eliminates Jim the Anvil Nighthard. Unbelievable. The model showing. 45 minutes plus still. Yep. The uh, Bulldog eliminates Haku. And then he eliminates the model. So Bulldog gets three of the last four eliminations. Model was our Iron Man 1991. DiBiase was the year before. And then we went for Ric Flair 92, 93 was Bob Backlund. They always made it a little more and a little more every year with the, with the Iron Man of the Rumble. So that means we're down to four. Uh, we got the Quake. We got Knobs. We got the Bulldog. And we got Hulk. And in classic WWF booking, that means Bulldog's got to go next. So we can stack the deck against Hulk. Uh, that means Knobs, one of the, the most random uh, final three ever. And we actually had a question about that from our friend Peter Winson. Uh, we'll do it right now. No reason not okay. to. Okay. 
All right, let's see what we got from Peter. Peter says, uh, we'll need your take on Brian Nobbs uh, being one of the final three guys. I love it for the randomness. Thought it made sense where they were pushing the nasty boys. What are your thoughts? Well, like I just said, um, well, thanks for the question, Pete. And uh, like I just said, uh, he was replacing the Honky Tonk Man, who, who was supposed to be in this uh, Royal Rumble and obviously left the company a few weeks prior. And, uh, you know, they were, they were, like Pete said, they were new to the company. They were getting that tag title match at WrestleMania. They're going to win that. I wonder if that Battle Royal was already taped or not. We'd have to go back to Richard Land and Graham and look back in the history of WWE if they already won that tag team Battle Royal to get their shot. I know it aired after the Rumble. But sure. in February, yeah, I mean, who knows with these taping schedules. They probably already knew that, you know, they were going to be going after the hearts for the belts. Plus, they were already, a lot of people know, as friends with the Hulkster. He'd have them out in a boat in Tampa when when they were still in WCW, the Nasties. So I guess roll that all up into the, to a ball. You got knobs in there at the end. I like how Hogan gives him a standing big boot, like a very different kind of big boot than where usually it's the guy runs into Hulk and yep. lifts his boot up. Yeah, this is it's really cool. Yep. But, and and also uh, one other thing, how about how like when Knobs first came in, I think it was a rib because he was young or whatever. Maybe they were a little mouthy in the back. Everybody jumps on him, like jumps him. All the guys and like Hercules, you can see he's like really trying to like force him into the turnbuckles, like fucking around. I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah. getting a little stiff with him. There you go. So then we're down to two. It's Hogan and Quake, and Hulk is knocking him around. Goes for the slam, doesn't get it. Uh, a little bit of a hush in the crowd, some nervousness. Is Hulk going to be able to do it? He hulks up once, and then he hulks up twice. Takes a lot, but finally Sam slams Quake and then eliminates his fat ass for the second time. Hulk wins the Royal Rumble. He's the first person to ever win the Royal Rumble twice. Two in a row. Two in a row. So a pretty, good, old. A pretty good Rumble there, I thought. Um, let's see. Hulk Hogan led the eliminations with seven. Uh, he eliminated seven guys. Number two, you want to try to guess who had the second most with four. Actually, two guys tied with four. The model? The model is one and... Bulldog. The Quake. Quake, okay. I should have said that. Some surprises at three. Knobs had three. Wow. Bulldog had three. Taker had three. Uh, and forgot then, about, see, I forgot about Taker. You forget about him. Yep, and then a bunch of, you know, a Hawk had two, and then... Some scattered in uh, by one. You think ones. the LOD would have had, besides they had the big elimination on Taker, but you think they would have had a better show and this is their kind of match. But no. The WWF run LOD it, it didn't do too, too much for me. No. I, I always think, think something, something was off. Yeah, I think it really, they wanted it to be demolition versus them. And then, you know, you have the issue with the bad seafood or whatever. Yeah, 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 shellfish. Shellfish. With our boy Axe. Uh, recovering from COVID, I believe. Bill Eady. You know. Shout out for, to him and his wife. So, yeah, it just didn't work quite out. But, yeah, no, some interesting stuff there. Uh, but, no, it's a good it's a good pay-per-view. It's fun to watch. You know, it's easy to watch. It's not too long. And, you know, maybe the under the undercard you could, you know, you could argue is one too many, but no big deal. If you take out the Mountie, I think it's perfect. You know, and the times are good. Yeah. You know, it's. They give that first match 20 minutes, which is great. You know, 14-15 for the second match. 12-47 for Slaughter and the title. And then the other two matches are less than 10 minutes. You know, I think it's a great pay-per-view. Yeah, an hour uh, long by Hogan. Uh, you said earlier you think the MVP of the night was Savage. 
Yeah, I mean that that angle. I mean he 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 made the title switch happen, running around the building, you know, in and out, not showing up for the rumble. I think is cool too. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go if we're doing MVPs. You know, I can't have Hulk every time sure. the MVP, even though I would like that. But you know, yeah, Macho. This is this was a great night for the Macho for the Macho Man, and then also Sarge. But I said it, so let's stick with Macho Man for me. Yeah, I didn't necessarily have any like specific awards. I just had heard you. Sort of yeah. say that, so I was just curious uh, for you to to kind of go back on it. How about some survival times? Uh, the f- survival times, yeah. So Rick Martel, fifty-two minutes thirty seconds. Iron Man. Yep. Greg Valentine at forty-four, thirteen. Hercules thirty-seven. Bulldog thirty-six. And to round out the top five, Tito at hmm. thirty minutes. The shortest. I didn't notice. Him being in that long. Well, the shortest is obvious. Right. The, so the bottom five, Randy Savage didn't come in at all. Zero. Oh, that would be, that's a good bet to make yep. with somebody. Everyone's going to say Luke. Yep, yep, We yep. should edit this part out so no one listens <laughs> to those. Uh, Bushwhacker, Luke second, four seconds. Then the Warlord, like I said, only 137. And Saba Simba. Every year he's performed shitty. Yeah, Saba Simba. Um, one, 228, excuse me. Uh, other guys under five minutes were Tugboat, Dino Bravo, and Hacksaw. Hmm. Uh, ten of the 30 men survived for over 20 minutes. And four of those ten survived for only over 35 minutes, which is, you know, rare. Uh, when the buzzer sounded for the 18th, and this some of these, I found a cool article on CagesideSeats.com, which is the SB Nation uh, page for wrestling. They had a pretty cool article, which is, I'm getting some of this uh, out of. When the buzzer for the 18th entrance sounded, it looked like someone may have slightly opened the curtain for a brief moment, but nobody came yeah. out. Yep. It was Animal, I believe. On commentary, Piper said that the unknown man had until the next buzzer. We could have said that. Uh, Monsoon said he had the full list of 30 wrestlers on hand, and when Tugboat came out as the final entrance, Monsoon said, you know, savage. Like I said, uh, the champion reign of Warrior ended, so Pep. Piper speculated that maybe Warrior ran him out of the building. Uh, let's see. Good stuff. Yeah, what else do we got here? Uh, the memorable spot by Butch we talked about. Rick Martel set the record for survival time. His elimination was somewhat controversial in my mind. This is the writer of this article, even though the commentators don't seem to notice. Martel walked under the top rope to get onto the apron. Then climbed to the top of the turnbuckle from the ring apron, and that's when he was dropped, kicked off. So maybe he's still in too. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> uh, let's see the active Iron Man wrestler in the ring. Uh, Brett Valentine and Martel passed the baton for active Iron Man for one or the other in this one. Brett was the active Iron Man for his entire time. Blah 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 blah. They pass it around. Let's see other things that stand out. Two members of Demolition had the same times, and so did the hmm. members of LOD. Here, I'll give you theirs. So, Hawk and Animal, 640 and 641. And then Smash was... Where are you, Smash? I know you were first. Oh, 1838 and 1828. So, that, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, it seemed like Smash was, Smash was in there a long time. <clears throat> okay, this is really cool. So here are the entrance time. This this is the entrance time for the superstars. The amount of time that passed between the buzzer and when they stepped into the ring. So who do you think took the longest to get into the ring? 
Oh, my God. They're really uh, 37 <laughs> seconds breaking this thing down now. Yeah. <laughs> Let me take a guess. Like Gorilla said somebody's taking long to get down there. Butch, Butch or Luke? Okay, so Luke was second at 25 and perfect. 37 seconds. He did come down. He did come down slowly. He yeah. was in no rush to get in there, Jeff. The, hot rod. the, the fastest was five seconds. Uh, tornado, Martel, Hawk, and Animal. Okay. Yeah. I would never think of things. Everybody thinks of different things. I would never think of timing. All right. So, like so now here is an interesting part. So we talked about the buzzer, right? How long okay. does the buzzer actually take? Well, guess what? They were really, really, really true to the two minutes on this one. So yeah, I, I think 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. I think after that, it started getting a little funky on us. Every single buzzer went off either two minutes, two minutes and one second, or two minutes and two seconds. Even and, a little longer. Yep. So none of them were below two minutes, and none of them were longer than two minutes and two seconds. So that's pretty good. That's about as Yeah, that's probably how they have it like timed out. Everything why they knew they needed the mounting match in there for the time they they were on the air. In a perfectly That's probably why that happened. In a perfectly timed match, the buzzer signature you know, for the thirtieth guy would have gone off at fifty six zero zero. In reality it went off at fifty six thirteen. So really well I don't know if it was Bruce timing this in the back or what, but really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, really good. All right. Good stuff. Let's talk for a second about wrestlers in the ring. So Two wrestlers were in the ring for five minutes and 57 seconds, or 9.1% of the match. Uh, and then that, you know, goes up and down depending on how many. The The biggest percentage of the match was wrestled with 10 guys in there. 17 minutes and 52 seconds, there was 10 wrestlers in the ring for 27.4% of the match. A lot of arms and legs moving around in yeah. there. Four guys was the lowest percentage at 3.7. Uh, and I think that's about it. That's the uh, the 1991 Royal Rumble. Now, I'm going to save this it. page because he's got stats for a bunch of different years. Well, that's interesting stuff that I never, I never, gave, stuff never gave thought to. Yeah. yeah. Did you grade the Rumble, my friend? I did grade the Rumble. I'm going to give it a 4.25 for a Rumble relative to 4. other 4. Rumbles. 4.25. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I was going to think they're all, all those these early ones. Are all fives to me, but we're gonna do relative, relatives to other ones. Now I think ninety two is the best one, even though our 90, guy doesn't win it. Ninety two is my five star. Yeah. Well, okay. So going off ninety two is a five star. This one's really good. I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it solid four stars. Okay. Fair. Very fair. All right. We got some business left to do. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna read outro and plugs. We got listener email, and we'll tell you what we're gonna do. For episode six of the 24. And I got some business business to do in a bathroom. I got to pee. All right. You go for it. We'll be right back. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life.
back on the 24-inch podcast. One more segment tonight. We just broke down the 1991 Royal Rumble. Don't forget you can find this episode of the 24-inch podcast and all episodes on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can find all episodes of the 24-inch podcast there. You can see the 24-inch podcast logo. Uh, the name, and also, for a bonus, the episodes of the Sportscasters are there as well, including the 10-year anniversary special featuring Jeff Passan and Greg Wyshynski. Also, you can find us on Twitter at 24inchpodcast. That's the number two, the number four, the word inch, the word podcast, at 24inchpodcast. You can also email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. And a real quick shout-out to some of our friends, Peter Winson at GF Allentown Pod. Uh, what did he do most recently? A real old show, right? What was it? Uh, they did. Yeah, he did. Uh, his friend passed away, RIP, and they, he liked Tony Gurria. And they did a, so he did the first show. It was the first something, but it was from 1978, WWF TV. First show from Allentown, from the, from the Ag Hall. And yeah, Pete did that uh, this right. past Thursday. Then him and Keithy did Inside the Steel Cage Coliseum video over the weekend. Both I, I had a chance to listen to both. Both great shows. Yeah, rest in peace to Steve, uh, who was a longtime Steve. fan of the Boston Bruins and passed away. And the Bruins really did a beautiful tribute to him. Uh, they sent the anthem singer to sing the anthem outside to his family just for the game. Just a really beautiful tribute and uh, rest in peace on behalf of Peter and all of his friends uh, who love Steve. Uh, so the 24-inch podcast is thinking of him. And, yeah, episode, yeah, sounds like, episode sounds like a good guy. 202, uh, 12 And then GF Allentown Live was Inside the Steel Cage, the Coliseum Home video. Uh was talking to Justin Rosero today, and he was asking me what I thought they should do when they finish the reboot run and they get through 92, you know, the MSGs are done. I, I was wondering that what happens when the MSGs are done. Yeah. So I don't know what I can and can't say, obviously, but they got some good ideas. So it's, well, they're going to start getting in your house. Now they're going to start getting more papers. Well, the question is, do they, do they keep on that path or do they do something else? Okay. Right. So that you got the inside scoop. Well, I know what they're debating, but they haven't decided. But anyway, Place to Be Nation uh, is where you can find their stuff as well. I so. say more uh, – what's his name? My friend there from New York. Scott? No, not no. not just him. Uh, oh, my God. I'm having a brain fart. Andy Atherton. No. Um, D- just, uh, the Italian, Italian guy. Yeah, D'Amato. 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 More D'Amato. <laughs> that's more, what I want. More D'Amato. All right, so check them out. Uh, but that's really it. All right, listener email. I'll start this time. Paul, you up in your chair because we're doing emails now, baby. All right, we'll do it quick and get up in your chair. All right. First thing we do is we got a tweet uh, from Frederick C. Nichols. And he is USMC Fredomania on Twitter. Hi, Fred. All right, so one of our good listeners. And he wonders, Dave, Stephen Paula. This is one of my favorite rumbles with one of my favorite eliminations when Hulk Hogan hit Brian Nobbs with the boot to the face, sending him over the top rope. What eliminations stand out to you three, this Rumble or any other? Mm. All right. So the first thing that comes to mind for me 
is actually the Big John Stud and William Perry spot in the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal. Now, I know that's not a Royal Rumble, obviously, but that just comes to mind as like a really great elimination in a Battle Royal, I guess. Uh, I come, yeah. Yeah, thinking of the Rumble, let's see, what's a good one? I mean, obviously, there's all those kind of crazy ones like Bret Hart eliminating Austin, but Austin sneaking back into the ring. Kind of setting that up. You mentioned that earlier. I think I didn't, I didn't like that. Yeah. That comes to mind as kind of a crazy one. Uh, but back in this era, can I think of a like a? I got one. Okay, go for it. All right, I got one, brother, and I think you're gonna like a friend. I know you're a big Hulkamania. Now I like the Brainbusters. I like Arn and Tully. This is nothing against them, but 1989, Hogan clotheslined them both out at the same time. It's like a big fu to Melser and all the Melser types. And NWA, it's like there's Hogan taking out, you know, your your darlings, Arn and Tully, at the same time. So there's yeah. my there's my elimination. That's that's a really a really good one. Uh, from this one, I thought the uh, who was it? Hulk eliminating Tugboat uh, was cool. really, really interesting, just because of their you know their feud. Yeah, Tugboat uh, went after him first. Yeah, but there it was like this friendship. And then like another it's not an elimination necessarily, but just remember your mind being blown when number one was Demolition Axe and number two is Smash, or vice versa. Awesome. You know, awesome. and those two just the bell rings and they just start going at it. Like You know, they tried to do that again with Rick and Scott Steiner and they refused to do it. Uh you see uh Steiner was Rick Scott was number one and he was in there with like tattoo or something and Rick he eliminated him real quick and then Rick was coming down it's ninety four rumble and you could see him walk down real slowly adjusting his earmuffs as he's walking to the ring. Earmuffs just like Bobby Heenan says, wrestling headgear. And um they refused to do it. And I think that's one of the reasons why they uh left the WWF shortly after. Yeah. Oh, fully taking himself and Randy Orton out. You remember that one? I think it was like Oh four, Foley's all like, no. yeah, I don't know why that one's coming out. I, just, I, I like both both guys. Oh, uh, the the snake. Orton. Andre eliminating himself when Jake runs in and throws the snake in, and he goes over the top rope. That's yeah. a really good one. But then when Macho eliminated himself in 92, they let him go back in. Right. It was a little bit Poor of Andre. In, inconsistent, sort of like yeah. with best of two, three falls in a tag title match. Can one of the falls be a DQ? Absolutely right. Not when the Bulldogs wrestle the hearts, but later <laughs> – when the hearts wrestled demolition, so really in the hearts' favor. Yeah. Huh? Yep. Oh, another great one. So I'm just thinking of a few as I'm thinking about this. What about Hulk holding Sid and Flair dumping him to win the title? Yeah. Very remember. I think that should we were gonna get to that. I think that should have been switched around the other way to make Hulk look a little better in that scenario, but that's the way it was done and it was it was interesting for sure. But we'll get we're gonna have a big show about that coming hey, up. Paula you going to answer this question? You got any answers? I bet she doesn't. Here, let's see. Go ahead. The guy wants to know. He sent us a tweet. What was your favorite? Feeder one. What was your favorite elimination from the Royal Rumble? I don't even know the answer. You don't have an answer to that? No. This makes make something up. I don't even know. You got a kayfabe. I looked. <laughs> I just found it five years ago, and I don't even know it. Okay. Five years ago, okay, right. from the 2016 Royal Rumble. <laughs> Uh, Roman Reigns threw out uh, Seth Rollins. There you go. All right. Well, why don't you tell Fred about Sidney Lauper or something? Tell Fred something. Fred wants to hear you say something. 
instead of your all the noise you're making. Something. Oh, well, I don't even know. Okay, my God. <laughs> All right, Dave, what do you got? You got some emails. Thank you, Fred. Uh, besides the uh, Hogan uh, taking out the Brain Busters, I do love how Brett and Lex uh, fell at the same time in '94. Uh, oh, and right. They really, really it's looked high. like they hit at the same time. I mean, I'm sure it was. I love Lex. Nothing against him, but I'm sure it was Brett. You know, making that work that they, they hit at the same time, and it was it was really good. So uh, I'm going to go with those two. Oh, I want to mention one thing. Uh, Frederick here, he's from Elmira, New York. My friend Justin Siebold played on the Elmira Soaring Eagles hockey team uh, back in the early 2000s. I spent a lot of time in the domes. Uh, so shout out to Elmira, New York and to the Ooh. Elmira Soaring Eagles. A really great place to watch a D3 college hockey game. Uh, luckily, my friend played before RIT went D1. And they had the amazing – they had this rivalry, Dave. R.I.T. Elmira. Ooh, good Got some heat, huh? Yeah, good good heat. All right, All right, Dave, we got a couple emails on your end, right? Maybe Paul will be able to answer yeah, these ones. Yeah, a couple interesting ones uh, this, this week on my end. Uh, we're going to go anonymous here. Um, this is a question for Steve. Okay, See, I'm hi, ready. Hi, Steve. In hey. an honest opinion – Probably a hot babe. It's not oh. as a as a resident as a resident of Buffalo. Yes, are the are the wings in Buffalo worth the trip? Oh my this god! This person finds a Philly cheesesteak overrated to take the trip. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Buffalo chicken wings are the best in the world, and I've okay. went everywhere I go. If they got Buffalo wings on the menu, you know I get them just to see what they think a Buffalo wing is, and it's not that. Now here's the, you t- now here's the thing though. There are tourist traps, right? Like if you come down here and you go to the Anchor Bar, which is known as the place that had the first wings, you're going to get shit, right? They, they're overpriced. You know, they're long past the point of really caring about the quality they're putting out. You know, it's garbage, and you would get that, that opinion. Now, if you go to the place where we eat chicken wings, you know what I mean? Like Duff's is the other one. Like usually you hear Duff's and Anchor Bar, right? Like if a, nat- okay. if a national TV station does a best wings in Buffalo, those are the two places they're going to go. And Duff's is good as long as you it's go. Like Pat, Pat Steaks in Philly. And Geno's or whatever. Geno's, right? Geno's the other one. Yeah. Right. Duff's is really good if you go to the original, but they have franchises and those are shit, right? So as long as you go where we make where we eat wings, places like Barbell, places like 911 Tavern, places like Almos, you know, as long as you have someone or you've done your research and you go to the right chicken wing spot, it's worth the drive. If you come all the way here and you go to a tourist trap like a Duff's franchise or the original, you know, um, the original Anchor Bar, or God forbid, an Anchor Bar franchise, I mean, you're gonna get shit. If you go to like TGI Fridays in Buffalo. Don't think that those are Buffalo wings. You know that's just whatever no. how they make it. TGI Fridays, right? So yeah, you got to same as everywhere. You got to know where to go. But oh my God, is it worth it? Yeah. How do you take your wings, Steve? Paula? Paula, if you're, you're a, like I'm hot, if you're hot a, wings a fat or... kid like me, I like to get them well done. And if I'm at Duff's, I can only go medium because medium is hot. And since my stomach issues, I can't quite go top level duffs like i used to i used to get hot where they would put them in a it's almost like wing soup you get the wings and they're just in a soup of sauce wow. i can't quite take that anymore so i get the medium Too messy like a hot but yeah no i get like at a pizzeria they tend to be a little cooler i'll get hot hot to medium and i like classic buffalo style i don't want 
garlic parmesan or yeah, honey like barbecue or any of that gimmick nonsense. Give me a well-done, crispy, hot buffalo wing, mostly Frank sauce, maybe a little butter, maybe a touch of vinegar, and I can die happy. I agree. Uh, beer, nice, nice draft beer with it. Oh yeah, give me, me a pitcher. Uh, yeah, I, I like. I'm, I'm easy with beer. I like a Coors Light, Miller Side Light, of French fries, side of French yeah, fries, really well. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm a big wing guy. You're, you're making me want to go out and and whoever start this, doing that, then I'll keep going. Whoever other, this other is, areas. whoever this is, if they come, email me and I will give you like a, t- a top ten list of places to go. Absolutely. All right, one more. All right, that was a good one. That was a good answer. Okay, this is from Kevin from Nutley, a big fan of ours who is asking for the Mr. Wonderful feud. Kevin, I told you I would uh, answer that on the air. We're going to get to it really soon because you're a great listener. You're a great supporter. But it's in the same time frame as Kamala, which we did about two two shows ago, two or three shows ago. So give us a few more shows, and we're definitely going to get to it. That's one of my favorite Hulkster feuds. But I will, but say, Kevin's- I will say this. The cage match that they do on Saturday's main event is my all-time favorite cage match. So I cannot wait to Likewise. do it. Likewise. I cannot Likewise. wait to do it. I love it. going to be great. Can't wait till we do hey, it. Kevin's question is, this one's a little long. Guys, growing up, I loved the Royal Rumble because it felt like anybody had a legitimate chance of winning. Now that the curtain has been pulled back, so to speak, it is not as exciting because with the prize being a title shot at WrestleMania, it is easy to predict the winner or to at least narrow it down to a core of a couple wrestlers. Which is true. Do you think if they change the prize to cash, that sounds like Keenan saying that, say $100,000, it would help inject some new excitement into the event? Kevin, my answer is no. Um, I think with, you know, kayfabe has gone out the window, cash being a prize, you know, I don't know anymore in wrestling. But, um, you know, I, I see what you're saying about it being narrowed down to a couple, a couple of guys. Even like 90, when the title was on the line, far back as 92, like you knew Skinner wasn't going to win or the Warlord wasn't going to win or Virgil wasn't going to win. And then nowadays, you know that, I don't know. God, I don't even know. Who, who's like a jabroni nowadays? That won't she got a shot at title at WrestleMania. Whoever, whomever, you know. I have so, no so idea. We'll get, yeah. Everyone, I, everyone I know is, a, is supposedly not a jabroni. Yeah, whatever. But, you know, you know, certain guys aren't going to be in the main event of WrestleMania. So I get what you're saying there. But no, I don't think they I, I think once they're there with the title match at WrestleMania, I think that's a, a staple. And I don't think that's ever going to get changed. Steve, your opinion? Well, I will say in retrospect, it would have been amazing if they would have put the belt on Skinner at 92. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine our shock and dismay. If the, You never know. Like, oh, my God. Skinner's done it. The announcement would have been great. And new Skinner. <laughs> do you th- do you think uh, Bobby would have popped this hard for Skinner? I, I I don't know. I think I think him and Gorilla might have both had heart attacks uh, right there. All right, look at. I agree with the premise that the Alligator Man bring that uh, there needs to be something, right? Like I'm not a regular watcher Stakes. per se, but I get what he's saying. Like you go into it and you know Roman Reigns is going to Mania and he's going to win it, right? So what the fuck's the point? Or maybe a couple other guys. You and know what I mean? That, I, hate, yeah. I hate the fact that you win it and you don't even know who their opponent is because they could theoretically wrestle either guy. I think the number one thing they need to change, if I was ever going to watch it again, is they need to go back to one title. I'm just not interested oh, in wrestling absolutely. two titles. I, hate, I like how they have the, women, the women's rumble. I'm into that. But they need to be one, one men's champion. One men's champion, one women's champion. That's it. 
Yeah, agreed. And one winner and one winner. And you know when someone wins the Royal Rumble, they're going to face this guy at WrestleMania. Not this guy or that guy. What the hell is that? Yeah, like they choose. And, and yeah, I think you're right. Like cash is an idea, but I don't think that would help because nobody believes anyone's getting cash. But I do have a funny story I heard. It was the one-man gang. He won a battle royal, a $25,000 over-the-top battle royal. And his wife found out he won, and he got home, and he didn't have a, he didn't have the twenty five grand. And she was all pissed off. What the hell did you do with the money? You lost all the money. Were you hookering? Were you hookers? Right? And he was trying to explain, I didn't actually win it. It's kayfabe. There isn't actually – and she did not believe him. She wasn't buying it. It was like the end of his marriage. Amazing. Yeah, so I thought it was a pretty good story. I think it was one-man <laughs> game. It could have been someone else, but – It doesn't matter who it is. I believe it. One of those bigger, you know, southern – Wrestlers, yeah. yeah, won it up north, but <laughs> then the the bottom line, who's the emailer again? I'm sorry? Who's the emailer here? Oh, Kevin from Nutley. Kevin. Uh they gotta do something. You're right. Yes, sir. All right. So we have talked about football, Paula's quarantine, the WWE network. We've read the news from January of ninety one. We found out where Hulk was in January of ninety one. We talked about a good about, time. Yeah, we week. talked about the Royal Rumble and why it was on USA, all that drama. We talked about the undercard, the Rumble itself. We've done plugs. We've done email. What are we going to do next time on Episode 5, Dave? You can announce it. Uh, and, and, and tell them our logic, how we got to it, too. Uh, well, we've uh, done um, the year so far. We started off in 1986, WrestleMania 2. Went into late 86 and 87 for Kamala. We did 89 for the big boss man, 91 just tonight. Am I missing something? I'm not sure. But we're going to try to keep, you know, keep the years spread out a bit. Spread out, like Mo Howard would say. And um, we're going to be in 1985. We haven't touched on yet. A big, huge year where Hulkamania, you know, he won the title in 84. But 85 was really the year where Hulkamania was plastered all over the world. And one of the big events, early 85, the 36th anniversary next month, this month coming up, February of the war to settle the score live on MTV. Now there's the MTV hour long version that aired on MTV, huge rating through the roof, Hogan Piper. We're going to cover the whole show that aired in the MSG network though, for you February, 1985. Well, I had a we're going to do, we're gonna do both. We'll do them both. Right, we're not going to, we're not going to make you miss out on Martha Quinn or whoever, right? You know, we're going to, we're going to be all, all in on that. I had a friend who was live there that night. So maybe I could try to speak to him before we recorded. Cool. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Be, I don't know if I don't know if Brendan does email, but I'll, maybe uh, I'll talk know, to him in person. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but uh, looking forward to it. Hogan and Hot Rod, one of their few uh, big matches on WWF. You know, for the world to see. Wasn't too many one-on-one holster and uh, Hot Rod matches. And we'll talk about why. We will. All right. With that said, I am Steve Bennett. Across from me, Paula Bennett in New Jersey. Dave Rollins. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, tell your friends about the 24 inch podcast. Brother! Take that.